0: Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program with the African Sisters Media Network. And that was uh, Labi Sifre, uh, Something Inside So Strong, and I thought that would be a great way to kick off um, a special series of shows um, with healers who will leave us with tools we can use to strengthen ourselves during a time when isolation is encouraged While a Soul Cries for Communion, and we are so excited to have as our first guest, um, Michelle Elizabeth Lee, who has worked for over 30 years in the integrated arts field as a visual artist, curator, administrator, educator, and writer. She has an MFA from the University of Southern California and a BA from Antioch College. She is a native of Oaktown, California, who was raised in a family of traditional healers from the South uh, Louisiana and Mississippi, uh, specifically. And she currently lives and works uh, in her native Oakland, and um, where she teaches art in the public school. And she has two adult children, <clears throat> uh, Milan and Nora. Welcome, Michelle. How are you?
1: Welcome, Wanda. Thank you for having me on. I'm doing fine. How are you doing?
0: Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm so happy to. Yeah, I can hear you really well. Um, so happy to be talking to you. Um, about about your work. Uh, this wonderful instructional. Um, I don't know. It's like working the roots. Over 400 years of traditional African American healing, like, okay, well, you did this, you don't have to do anything else, right?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, so
0: instructive. Oh, my goodness.
1: Thank you. It's just, it's that piece is done, and now a different level of work begins. You have Mm -hmm. to forgive me, I'm a little out of breath because I just got up here to this spot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell tell us about so, where you are now and the hike and the snow. And happy spring. Today is day number two. Yesterday was the equinox. Yes.
1: Oh, happy spring, yes. And it's lovely. It's sunny up here. I'm in the mountains at 3,600 feet elevation with about three feet of snow. And uh, <clears throat> I have to walk about 200 yards up to a hot spot. And I have a chair up there. And oh, uh, cool. so, yeah. So this is I made it, and now I'm fighting off a dog who wants to play. So, <laughs> excuse me if I seem a little out of winded. Oh, that's okay.
0: okay. Really happy that you, um, you know, felt that you know our conversation was worth the hike. Um, you know, this early in the morning when you could be toasty in your house, you know, all warm.
1: And playing with right, the dogs, right, right, <laughs> yeah. But well, you know, you know, part of part of staying healthy is being physically active, and mm-hmm. um, I have been physically, you know, all of my life playing outside, riding bikes, running, playing tennis, swimming, just you know, and doing sports. I ran track at Skyline. Grew up with mm-hmm. four brothers, so I I and I used to do more segregated exercise like going to the gym and um, having the time to to run. But now I, I want to incorporate that into my daily movement so I don't have to segregate my life out more. So if I, you know, park further away from going to the grocery store, if I take the stairs or, you know, I, I get a lawnmower from the, Tool lending library in Oakland. The old school lawn mower, and I lawn my back, mow my backyard. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. a that's a good workout. So if I can incorporate it into my daily movement, then I don't have to think about going to the gym. Mm-hmm. You know? it's just a matter yeah. of staying healthy. Yeah, So this is this is my morning wake up, and after this phone call, I'm gonna go s- try to sn- shovel some snow to see if I can. Get out of here on Sunday. <clears throat> uh-huh. Wow.
0: Frontier woman, right?
1: Yeah, I, I like it. I like uh my family says I'm the only one who uh has turned camping into a lifestyle.
0: Mm, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about, you know, this wonderful work and um and you know we're talking about giving people some tools and and now people are um sort of forced to reflect on on their lives um and and what it means to be healthy and you know what germs are and how they're spread mm-hmm. and you know and looking at personal space and Six feet, what does that mean? Two shopping carts is six feet. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then being told, oh, well, you know, you can, you know, uh, what do they call it, um, stay at home, but you can go out and go for a walk. The sunshine is good for mm-hmm. you. You know, get out. And so mm-hmm. we see a lot of people walking and riding their bikes and, yeah, people that, you know, before being they would have been at work sitting at
1: a desk. Mhm. Right, Yeah. right. Yeah, the shelter in place, you know, so this is a lot to take in. I'm, uh, you know, just kind of sitting back and observing and being a public school teacher, um, you know, germs and, and, and staying healthy was really uh, front and center in my life because I would filter over 300 students a week through me. From kindergarten to fifth grade, and I teach in East Oakland, and that's a lot of little folks who are really wonderful and lovely, but they have a lot of germs. <coughs> Excuse me, and they, um, you know, they get sent to school sick sometimes with fevers, and handling art supplies. Well, man, it's just a, a never-ending. Uh, story of cleaning because you have the pencils and the markers and the crayons and the paint and the brushes and the germs get everywhere. So I would, you know, part of my practice evolved just through teaching and staying healthy in as an Oakland public school teacher um, and, and having a regular practice of cleaning the room at the end of the day. Uh, I had uh, made a solution of uh, vinegar, and water, <clears throat> which um, I continue to use. Um, and um, also my my uh, morning and daily routine involves doing preventative health care. And the foundation of black folk medicine or African-American healing tradition is preventative care. Like one elder said, well, you know, you take care of yourself now so you don't get sick in the future because people really didn't have job security then didn't have a lot of folks didn't have health insurance didn't have um unemployment insurance you know sick leave and all of those things so you couldn't even afford to get sick so there were regular tonics that folks took uh back then that i take now morning routines like they took the cod liver oil every morning and excuse me i'm clearing my morning throat Um, and so I'd have my morning routine not of cod liver oil because I'm the the oceans are so polluted and and um, there's a lot of mercury in the water and I don't think the cod liver oil back then is like the cod liver oil today can't be sure of that but I do a morning tonic before I start the day I break my fast with a glass of water and I also do a morning tonic with lemon, ginger, a uh, little cayenne. Sometimes I put a little turmeric or apple cider vinegar in there, uh, maybe a little um, burdock root, <laughs> something to cleanse the liver. And um, I let it steep, and uh, and then I'll drink it. Um, that's the first thing I drink after the water. And then um, I, I'll take some adaptogen herbs because uh, the situation at the school I work at is is very stressful. We're dealing with a lot of social and emotional challenges with the students and the families, and so adaptogen herbs helps your body mitigate the effects of stress. So I'll take uh, I'll navigate between rhodiola and ashwagandha and gotu kola when and those also help to keep your immunity up. And I start the day that way. I also make myself a Uh, a drink uh, that's usually mixed with some kombucha or some orange juice and a little apple cider vinegar. And I'm a huge uh, advocate of vitamin C with bioflavonoids. Bioflavonoids helps your body to um, um, process the vitamin C better, which really uh, does a lot for keeping your immunity up and killing viruses and uh, bacteria. So large infusions, like during this time, um, you know, I've upped uh, the amount of vitamin C I take uh, to 2,000 milligrams three times a day, and so you know that's pretty much what I'm I'm doing uh, right now, just to 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 stay healthy, keep my immunity up, and to um, ward off any type of unwanted viruses that may try to get me.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. Right, right,
1: yeah Mhm.
0: So tell us about, you know, being a first generation um, Oakland or California born um, Northerner
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, first as opposed ge- to, you know First generation northerner
0: <clears throat> Right, right, yeah, yeah And and then going home, you know, and living with, you know, the elders and gathering these
1: stories What was it, six years? Um. Uh,
2: is yeah, how six, long it took well,
1: I, I yeah, it took me 6 years of actually directed, I would say field work or living and that journey which is really like um, you know, being um my daddy used to say my daddy's from Port Gibson, Mississippi. And he um and he was very um active and political and he always used to tell us particularly during the 60s in Oakland he'd say we talk about going down south, and he says, oh, you kids don't know anything about going down south. So you say going down south, and you mean Los Angeles, you know, and I didn't really understand what he meant until I actually lived down there because I couldn't really understand it even by going down there <coughs> for the summers. But actually, you know, you, you have this idea of the south through what you've read, through your family stories, and through the summer, um, and being raised by people who were entrenched in being Southern, uh, seven, eight generations of being Southern, and but you really don't walk and understand it until you you live down there for a few years. At least that was my experience. Um, so I yeah um, lived uh, uh, my former husband and I, Leon Dockery, who's an artist. I don't do you know Leon Dockery, Wanda. Mm-hmm.
0: I might.
1: Okay. I think, uh, anyway, uh, he's, he's from Laurel Hill, North Carolina, so we actually bought some land at <laughs> auction, bought 27 acres of land at auction, and as anyone knows the South, the land is really, really cheap, and we were able to, you know, basically um, uh, create our own little compound. Uh, he had has wonderful skills of being able to, you know, one of those types of, old school brothers and daddies who knew how to do everything, you know, and if you didn't knew, know how to do it, you could figure it out. So mm-hmm. we rented our own backhoe and cleared the land, and uh, mm-hmm. we had a, uh, uh, got a, a double wide, and then we independent ourselves, and we built ourselves a 1,000-square-foot studio space. We laid the foundation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We built wow. it ourselves and um um yeah he you know we had he had those kinds of skills and and I was his great assistant and um we lived down there for 6 years uh starting uh Waterstick Artists and Scholars Residency and Cultural Center we wanted mm. to create a place where artists and scholars could come to have uh authentic relationship in the south amongst the indigenous communities in the south Indigenous also being African-Americans. You who know, I now, you know, the evolution of defining who we are from colored and Negro to black to African-American, I now say indigenous and African-descendant American. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have mixed bloodlines with the, uh, our Native brothers and sisters. And the fact that we have, you know, have been in the foundation of this country since the very beginning and an integral part of it. Um so um, I forget where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. So we had um, artist uh, uh, residency set up at the local Tuscarora Indian Nation, artist residency set up at the St. Helena Qu- uh, Sea Island with uh, uh, Queen Quet, uh, who's uh, of the Gullah Geechee Nation. Nation and then uh, an artist residency in Mexico in the mountains in a clay building community which we had set up. So we we were my I was a a professional artist for 15 years after graduate school. I was fortunate enough to have that journey, Um, and so we were really plugged into the art world. So that was a huge impetus for moving down south, and also just getting out of what I call now Babylon Matrix, you know and Um, having a simpler kind of life, because it was about a quarter mile down a dirt road. So (laughs) from there I based myself, and we had started a nonprofit, so that was how we were able to make our money and still doing art. Um, And um, we started a nonprofit with the Artists and Scholars Residency. We were able to bring some artists out. Opal Palmer Adisa was one of the first artists we brought out to the South, and I don't think she had ever spent that much intimate time in the South, I distinctly, as she was able to also work in the schools. So I remember mm-hmm. her distinctly saying, um, everybody misuses the English language in the same way, black, white, and Indian, you know, <laughs> so everybody mm-hmm. speaks the same way. Everybody eats soul food, right? And so I thought that was kind of funny and enlightening for her. <laughs> but she spent time where we were in Laurel Hill, and then she spent time at St. Helena Sea Island at the Queen Quetz compound, and she spent time at the local Tuscarora Indian Nation, which was just right down the road from us. So from there, I was able to base myself and then just start out uh, interviewing elders. I started with my own family, so I'd take journeys and was able to talk to them, but I'd also take journeys out to Georgia, to Mississippi, to uh, South Carolina, to Virginia, down to Florida, um, 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 uh, through Alabama, you know, other parts. Um, and it was just a time in my life where gas was cheap in the 90s. I remember getting, uh, uh, it was 90-something cents in, in South Carolina. And, and it, wasn't, it was easier to do things like that, to move around and to do that back then. So that, that's pretty much how I started with just a tape recorder and a camera searching mm-hmm. out people by word of mouth, you know, kind of like how the tradition was passed down. You learn a remedy, you hear something, you know, heals an ailment, and you pass it on, you know. Um, so that's just kind of led me all over, and, and folks were willing uh, to talk. And I just would turn on the tape recorder. I had an old a camera, a Mamiya Secor 35 millimeter, because it was my intention to take um, uh, photographs of this journey, black and white, and then go in the um, lab and develop it myself. By the time I got finished and ready to do that, digital was way on the scene, and not too many people were doing print work anymore, and I had a hell of a lot of uh, photographs. And so, um, uh that's when Brother Sewell, uh, who's my uh partner who you know, um that's when I met him around that time and he really helped me. He oh. said, Hey sis He said, Sis, I, I know this <laughs> you wanted to do this, but this is a lot. You can get this uh adapter, you can you can take the, the negative and and put it in this digital adapter, and then digitize it, and then we can refine it from there. So that that's pretty much what he did, oh. what we did. And here he is coming up the mountain now, <laughs> to, uh, with his his blackouts. Good morning, brother Asul.
3: Greetings.
1: Greetings, I, Wanda, Let me let me know how if this uh, I'm gonna put you on speaker. Let me know how this works. Okay.
4: Greetings, Sister.
0: Oh, greetings, Brother Soul. Aswad, how are you? Well, Sister, how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Wow. It's give so them. nice to hear your give voice. Oh,
4: thanks. Don't give thanks. <laughs> Likewise.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, you must have heard Michelle calling your name because she was telling telling us how um, I didn't know you could digitize um, a film. I didn't know that yes. well. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, so we I are talking Right. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um I noticed that that you actually um uh you know, you're you're really uh, a big part of, you know, of of the um the book as far as um the look of it and uh yeah, and you all are living on the land, and you are away from the madness of the city and all of that bustle and hustle, and and it's spring now, and you're in the sunshine, and there's snow around you. Wow, it just sounds so beautiful. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that?
4: Well, you know, uh, it is beautiful to be out of the city, um, mm-hmm. you know, away from the fray, uh, allows one to uh collect self and reacquaint self with self and mm-hmm. uh recognize what's really truly important um and you know that the air is nice and clean and fresh and mm-hmm. um, yeah so you know it's um it's it's beautiful I love it I mm-hmm. love it yeah um and uh just living off the land and um, a lot of work uh, It's, it's a, a good amount of work um, You know Strength and fortitude um, And willingness And also you know what a lot of people uh, Won't do is uh, be out In the wilderness in the dark um, mm-hmm. By themselves mm-hmm. So um, You know which kind of can be a little scary If you're kind of a scary person um, But it's real easy Um And it's it's, it's, it's rewarding, you know. I get to cut down, you know, trees here and there. Um, I always work to do, uh, physical work, um, um, moving branches and all that kind of stuff and, you know, working the garden and um, just, you know, being in solitude. And at night I get to actually see the stars, uh, which is very, very powerful. So I, I love that, and I like the aspect of it being total black. Um so yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good.
0: Yeah. Was was it an adjustment um you know from like being in the city to being on the land?
4: Uh not really for me. Um I'm, I can adapt really easily. Um and I was looking actually looking forward to being out of the city and sort of having a little uh isolation energy. Um, you know, because it's it's, it's nice to uh, slow everything down and not have uh, other energies around you creating, you know, um, a lot of chaotic uh, energy. So, you know, it it was easy, you know. I I didn't even really think about it. It was just something that that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do
0: you all grow your food?
4: We grow some food, you know, greens, uh, some tomatoes, and peppers. Um, this year we were going to grow a little bit more, but we're kind of behind because of the snow. Um, I'm glad I didn't start putting the seeds in because they'd have been snowed under. So, um, yeah, we, you know, and the greens, collard greens are still growing, and the kale is still growing even through the, the snow.
2: Wow, so, pretty sturdy,
4: huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> to let you know, those are the those are the ones you need to have in your diet.
2: Mm-hmm. You
4: know, it, they go through everything. They can they can withstand. So any mm-hmm. any food like that, you know, is is good for you.
2: hmm Yeah. Plus, plus yeah. I make
4: a new, new collard green salad. Mm-hmm.
2: So,
4: you know. Yeah. We're going to have to hook you up one day when I get back down. Or you okay. can come
2: up, Wanda.
4: Yeah, come oh, up. Yeah. We have a I
0: place.
2: For you to
4: stay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool, cool. Maybe yeah. I can ride up with you when you have to come, you know, to work, uh, Michelle, and I could go back
1: with you. Well, that sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds okay. like a good plan.
3: Okay. Yeah. Cool,
0: cool. Yeah. Um, well, in our, in our closing minutes, I wanted to ask both of you. Um, if maybe you could talk about um you know, you mentioned Asul a soul about the solitude and and sort of
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, mm-hmm. moving out of the kinetic and kind of chaotic energy that and bustle that, you know, sort of is indicative of, of cities, you know, you say everything is connected, everything is all hooked up. And I was wondering if you could maybe um uh for folks that are not on the land but they're here, so how do how do we Create kind of solitude in the midst of the chaos. Um, where where do we go? How do we, you know? Maybe you can give folks some tips because you're both artists right. as well.
4: Right. Um, when I'm in the city, I cut off all the electronics. If I if I mm-hmm. really need the the, the solitude, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to shut that stuff down for a couple hours at least throughout the day, or when people come in from work to not necessarily immediately get re-plugged in, because we always plugged in, but to sort of at least have that buzz, not necessarily around you um, for the whole uh, Mm -hmm. 24-7. And then, you know, when you can get out, um, you know, to, you know, take a drive or, you know, take a walk where there's less traffic um, and cut the phone off. And not be so connected to that because I I keep wondering and asking people, well, you know, when they shut the power down, what are you going to really do? You know, because so many people are so connected to that electronic energy that it's Mm -hmm. almost like they can't get throughout a day without it. You know, and for me, you know, it's a rarity. I can be up in here two weeks and not use phones. Um, oh. and you know not even yeah, not even be worrying about it, um, because I can disconnect, so it's about really mm-hmm. you know training or you know working with oneself to you know be able to comfortably uh disconnect and not feel uh, uh absolute need for um mm-hmm. being plugged in, yeah, mhm, mhm,
2: oh wow, two weeks,
4: yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: that's a long time. <laughs>
4: Well, you know, it's all relative to one's perspective, you know? Uh, True, true. That's a short (laughs) summary, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're thinking, you know, 400 years, thinking 500 years. Later, yeah, yeah yes.
1: it's relative.
2: Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> yes it is. Yeah. And, and what I yeah. wanted to say, Wanda, also, just in terms of keeping this time in perspective, cause, um mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of my colleagues at, as I call it, the schoolhouse, and my principal, and you have a lot, of, a lot of people who are very uh, afraid and have a lot of anxiety. I always take it. It. I think the best advice is just to ride this out. There's really Nothing we can do except to prepare ourselves and to keep our immunity up the best we can. And I always like to think about, okay, well, our ancestors came through slavery. They were snatched from Africa, and they probably felt the same type of fear and terror, probably more so. Kept themselves jailhouses along the coast of Africa, made the journey on the ships over here, and then put in then put in, in into bondage and with no end in sight. So we are the progeny of of those people, the strength of those people, we survive. So we can survive this. When I look at that and think about wow, when I have been able to, you know, uh escape my situation in slavery and enslavement and 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 and, and, and follow the Northern star and go through the swamps at night terrified of the, of the, of the snakes and other creatures and the dogs and the men on horses and the shotgun, you know, that's, that's the real fear. Now we need to just ride this out and see where this is going, see where this is going to take us. So we've come through a lot. We've come through, like I said, slavery, we come through colonization, land thievery. Um, we come, and we still live in a certain sense of anxiety because the legacy of slavery and its tentacles still exist today in the policies and institutional racism, you know, and hearts and minds of people who have not been able to make the leap to look at all humans as equal beings. So. You know, that would be my my only advice as well as to get in touch with the ancestors, meditate, you know, pray, uh, reflect, you know, have that time, that solitude to reflect it on things. And, you know, that's about all we can do. And, if, and, and I think most black folks are spiritual people. So we know, like I say about myself, I am eternal and immortal. So this is only one aspect of my existence, my long-time t- cosmic existence. I'm here on Earth Plane right now. I have a lesson, and Earth Plane University is the school that I'm at. So from here, I, you know, there is another journey to have. So it's, we're living an interesting time. Be vigilant. Listen to I listen to all aspects of information, from Fox News to conspiracy theorists to MSNBC to, you know, everybody, just to hear what they are saying and what they're not saying. And I connect the dots to see where I think that things are going. So, you know, being informed is very powerful. And, and just, you know, try to be as safe and uh, um, mindful you know, as we can. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. How close is your closest neighbor?
1: Um. Across the road. Well, across the road. Um. There's a dirt. We're two miles down a dirt road. Um. Most people up here live on uh, a ten acre plot. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. It's across the road, but then I guess it would be a city block. Maybe mm-hmm. two? Okay. Yeah. Up the hill. Yeah, so up the hill is about two city blocks, maybe three. Uh. So, you know, um, it's good to know your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to have you on again. This is just part one because um, it would be great for you to maybe share some of these stories. Uh, from Working the Roots, um, and uh, how can um, members of the audience, how can people get a copy of your book?
1: Well, right now, the best way to get it would be to just go on Amazon. I know a lot of people don't like Amazon, but that's where it is, and and order it there, you know. Oh, Oh, yeah, it's over at the Museum of African Diaspora also. They carry copies there. Marcus Books used to carry some. I'm not sure if they still carry any there. Um, and the food mill, you know, carries it periodically. So those are other places. Sometimes they run out and they, they contact me and I, I'll i restock them, but that's not always consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And yeah, you reach out to me at workingtheroots at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah, great.
0: Yeah, cuz this is um I think this um book is an African Centered um Back to Eden.
1: Oh, thank you. Wow, give thanks. Wow. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. that. Mhm. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well,
0: um yeah, so we'll have to schedule another conversation because um, this has been really great, real pleasure to hear from you, um, Brother Soul. This is like so exciting. I just love your work, and I can see you. Um, wow, two weeks. Okay, um, I can see you <laughs> doing all those. Pre- <laughs> I, I can see you doing all those things you mentioned. Um, I remember your place over. Was that Berkeley or North Oakland, where you had North like Oakland. your. Um, North Oakland, yeah, yeah. And um and how how are your children, um, both of you?
4: Uh my daughter and granddaughter, they're doing really great. Um, they're in Oakland and um mm-hmm. you know, she's a, a biologist and you know, with a masters um in public health um mm-hmm. oh, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, she they're safe and she knows what to do and you know, they're mindful of how they're doing, whatever it is they're doing, and you know, keeping distance mm-hmm. and all of that. So, yeah, right. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing great, doing great.
1: Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, mine, are good as as well. My daughter's uh, fortunately graduated from the new school last year in New York, and she's still in New York and mm-hmm. um, um, employed, working from home. Thank goodness. And um, she lives in Brooklyn. And my son uh, is in, living in Portland now, working at a, a grocery store up there and employed right now. So he's in a, an essential business. Mm. So they're doing well also. Oh, that's good. That's good.
2: Cool. And
1: how are are your children and grandchild?
0: Oh, I've got grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> grandchildren. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both daughters have or uh, both daughters are well and uh, both daughters have children. So, um my older daughter's um son and daughter are well and my younger daughters, um, sons are well and uh yeah, the little one he just made six months and he's scooting around the living room. I saw a picture of him yesterday. He he's feeding himself now. He was he, he had some avocado and he looked like this was good. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: All right.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Michelle.
0: All right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah. Good luck on the shoveling and, um, you know, making that path <laughs> so you can come back to Oakland, <laughs> Michelle. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah. Um. You know, those those sturdy greens sound wonderful. And uh, oh, looking yeah. forward to breaking some green, having some pot liquor, which you write about in your book. Um, (laughs) Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and he's doing a lot of really beautiful photographing up here. It's not like intentionally going out to photograph, but just through his daily movement. He showed me some images that were so cool and so delightful and funny. So maybe one day he can have a show of of his mountain life. That would be super, yeah. A modern
0: day mountain man, that'd be hot. Twentieth yes. century yes. African yes. mountain man, that'd be really hot.
4: Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. on, you on, can the, even... on the back uh, on the back of James Beckworth.
0: Yeah, yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I shade to our brother, and I shade to um, Dr. Ray Richardson as well, who just made her transition. Um, you mentioned oh, Marcus yeah. Booker. Yeah. Oh, wow. But my guest yeah. has been hanging out in the in the um in the green room and I need to like okay. let her in. Okay. Um, do you know do you know uh sister um Bisola Maranay?
1: Oh, the name is familiar.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell
1: me about her right quick.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um Bisola, I'm I'm letting yeah. you into the studio. Do you know Michelle Ely, um, and Asul um who is um uh, a wonderful photographer and artist. Do you know them?
5: I don't. Do you I was listening To the conversation, I would be honored to know them, but I don't know them. Where, where, where okay. are they located? They're
0: in the. They're in. They're in the mountains.
5: <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs>
5: oh. Okay. No. Greetings, um, not sister. Oh, uh, gr- thank you. Greetings to you as well.
2: Yes. Yeah, um, Yeah.
5: I was listening to the conversation and it sounds like uh, there's a interesting content, daily content in your life, and that's wonderful. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we really need right now.
1: Yes, Asha, you are correct.
5: Right. We need to stay focused on the present. And mm-hmm. a, a, an, an important and um, interesting, compelling uh, activity in our lives is mm-hmm. what helps us to do that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I look forward to meeting you one day, hopefully.
5: Yeah, so do I. I I look forward to it. It's expansive to meet new people who bring uh, new ideas and joy, and uh, Mm -hmm. that's
4: always a gift.
1: Yes, right on.
4: Yes, (laughs) thanks. All right. Y'all later. All right, y'all okay. too. Oh, y'all take good care.
1: Okay, Wanda, thank you so much. You take care also. Oh, you're
0: quite welcome. You too. Peace. And all
1: love, right. Peace and love. Okay, peace take care love.
5: now. Bye bye. Okay,
3: peace.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, so Sister visola Marine. yeah,
3: you
0: you are uh, a educator, performing artist, writer, and therapeutic facilitator. Um, you conduct uh, three differently focused self-healing groups in community institutions with a practice of mindfulness and singing. In addition to facilitating self-healing workshops, uh, Dr. Maranay performs with Odenwa Performance Ensemble and Seasoned Dance Ensemble.
3: She teaches and
0: provides academic support and coaching for students at the California Institute of Integral Studies for private clients and the community. Uh, Dr. Maranay brings aspects of her self-healing practice into her academic teaching and coaching to support learners in being present, resolved, and confident. She facilitates and promotes self-understanding as a necessary basis of competent and meaningful thought and expression and of wellness in general. And for those who um have been able to um to attend our ancestor, ancestor ritual, the Maafa commemoration in October, um, Miss Bisola has taken us on a musical um journey within to meet our to talk to our ancestors, to meet our ancestors, to bring our ancestors closer. And that's always really wonderful. You know, going on that ship with you.
5: Yes, yes, that's so wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, and the song, um, you know, was uh, uh, was developed, um, composed by our ancestors because it's actually a spiritual.
3: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
5: So uh, I love singing it, and uh, it really allows us to imagine uh, the, what they experienced and understand their uh, uh endurance and their um you know all of the things that happened to them and and the the how um miraculous it was that they were able to survive and 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 the strength that was necessary for that survival and that's what we can call on in this time you know um and i think it was Um, had a lot to do with staying present i know if they had thought about the long road ahead oh i'm going to be here and and have to suffer this misery for the next 40 years or whatever but i think that their art of singing and dancing and reveling in the moment is what allowed them to survive and uh focused only on the hardship and the the that was ahead i'm sure that that would have had something to do with their, their and it probably did have something to do with individuals um, departure yeah because you know many people couldn't stand it and took their own lives but i think that uh, for the majority to uh, survive it was this 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 process that has become part of our culture uh, the present moment awareness, and you know, some people criticize that that present moment awareness that we practice, uh, rather than being. Uh, and it's not that we're not thinking about the future because we do. As we've just heard, people think about the future by sending their children to
3: school. We
5: we're very school oriented, so it was like having um, a multiple layers, being able to have foresight into what is necessary for the future if the future occurs but being right here right now is an understanding of this is what we have really all we have right now is right now and to work with that but also saying well just in case we do this too so I just think uh, uh, I like to do the work uh, for the uh, Maafa that you hold every year I like I think we need to have my alpha, um consciousness throughout our whole year because it does help, you know, it helps to hold your focus and to uh, help you understand what is important. And what is important is, uh, is the consciousness of present time. I mean, the, the way we are now in this pandemic, we don't know if we're going to make it out of this. But we can't worry about that. We know that we're here now and we're doing well and we're blessed to be doing well. So we can't worry about whether it's going to uh, take us out, uh, whether we're going to, uh, what's going to happen in terms of the economy, in terms of jobs. We can't worry about any of that stuff. We could just be blessed and, uh, you know, awareness of our blessedness of being here right now and being able to um, discuss together as we're doing now uh, the, the life as it is, because this is all we have. And so the present moment awareness is the preciousness, because each moment, is that's where we are. And then the practice of remembering is also helpful, too, because it helps us to realize the unforgettable horrors that our uh, ancestors faced. But they came through, and we are uh, a product of their survival. So I think that um, that's what I've been doing. I've been uh, saying, you know, we don't know how this is going to go, but um, I'm here right now, and I'm practicing my music, I'm writing and talking with you and just celebrating being alive and being, um, fortunately, being healthy right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right.
5: Yeah.
0: yeah. I was just thinking when you were talking about remembering, I was thinking about, you know, this is an opportunity to really practice Sankofa, right? Um, yes, you it know, is. Yeah, sort of, you know, sort of thinking about, you know, this this certainly is my offer um in a in a lot of ways um because there are certain certain people among us that are you know really need us to think about them and to um wrap our arms around them, otherwise they're gonna get lost in this yeah. you know sort of like in this you know what if what if you don't have a home to be sheltered in at you know like you know what is shelter? What is it called? Shelter in place. What if you have no place? What if your place you is know, mobile? What if your place is moving? You can't be sheltered in place if you don't have a place. So what about well, those I was folks, thinking,
5: right? Yeah, but people hmm. are living on the sidewalk. I mean, That's how do thing. they shelter? Is it possible mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, protect yourself if, if the if the uh, uh, the insectant is mobile? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it? Are you protected when you're just living behind canvas on the sidewalk? Or maybe you know, some people on the sidewalk don't even have canvas. They're just out mm-hmm. there. So I think, uh, yeah, this is my offer, and we have to understand that as a people. I think this is an important lesson, you know, for us not to participate in classism and thinking that mm-hmm. uh, have the idea of being better than each other. Uh, because we have material things and others don't have material things. Because uh, all of this is comes from the same kind of, of circumstances that led to our ma'afa, our imprisonment, our enslavement. So it's kind of, you know, the, with people having to, to be outdoors and uh, on the street living like that, that is... Um, that is a, a forced situation that's uh that, that is implemented by the economic structure and because we have had no participation in in, in uh developing that. So and it's mm-hmm. been developed uh without our consent, without our in- input. So I think we haven't really conquered uh, our our total freedom. We have not uh, uh mastered it yet, but I think we will and we can, mm-hmm. and uh, that is partial, but I think we have to understand and work, continue to work towards that. That's why we have to work towards all of us being free, all of us having an opportunity to live uh, wholesome lives, healthy lives, uh, with all of the resources necessary to do that. So uh, yeah and then the thing about that I think that there are a lot of people who have you know there are a lot of people who uh have attained lots of financial resources like uh people who feel that once they become billionaires that they have the right to say how many people should live on the planet and 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 I think that um uh, that that there that, that this situation that we're in has a lot to do with that thinking to what extent i don't know but i do know that there were people in that category when they learned that the next population explosion on this planet will occur in africa oh there was like a, a berserk outturning of that you know what and you know a rush you saw the rush to educate African women, they say, well, if we educate African women, there's no way they're going to have seven kids or five kids or whatever because women who are educated don't do that. So there's been a big, uh, I've been reading about that, about the, uh, the fear of the population, the next population explosion on the planet is going to occur in Africa. There's a lot of fear about that. And uh, then, the, uh, you know, and the fact that this uh, pandemic uh, was uh, initiated where it was, it uh, was interesting, too, because that's presently the largest population on the planet in China. So I don't know, uh, you know, given our history, what we went through as a people, I um open to any kind of explanations about where we are but one thing i do know is that just as i do not have the totality of control over this planet and the resources and the people on it no one else does either so that's a comforting uh thought for me mm-hmm. that you know people will try to do many things but that doesn't mean that they will be successful.
0: Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah, cuz cause, cause we know that the folks that think they're in charge are not in control. You know, there, you know, there there's a um what do you call a hidden level of control that um you know that we believe in that is really making things go, making the world go round. So people might think yeah. that they are the ones making things happen. And it's like, oh, this is because of this, not necessarily.
5: <laughs> no, no. And then some things, uh, you know, the, the 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 hidden causes may take into consideration these devious plans and let them be partial, to, to mm-hmm. so that the ultimate plan can uh, arise. You know, so and mm-hmm. so that just goes to say that whatever devious work is done uh it doesn't mean that its going the outcome is going to be the way the people that employ that deviousness intend.
0: Mhm. Right, right. Because
5: there is another level of control. I mean, you mm-hmm. just even if you I mean, even if you um, you and when we we talk about it, we're talking about um a higher level of consciousness. Being in control, but just the 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 the, uh, the fact of the different fluctuations of nature that uh, you know no one can control, although they try.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: But it's it's uh you know uh, it's not in anyone's hand, and so I'm very happy about that. So I think for where we are now in this pandemic that. We need to keep present moment awareness, Um, enjoy this shutdown, to be in attention with self, in attention with our loved ones, uh, in uh, activities with them, um, and enjoying the life, being really aware of it and using it actively uh, to bring joy. And uh not fearing uh about where it's going to go or what's going to happen, because ultimately we're not in control of that either, so that is mindfulness that is uh, we can use as a very sacred tool in this time, along with the practice of remembering uh to balance ourselves um uh, to protect our mental uh processes you know to um to to be in uh to be in conversation to be in uh touch with ourselves um, and to be um and and to be uh, unfractured in our concentration and we have the time to do that and that we should see as a blessing and not worry about what's going to happen because uh work has stopped and we don't know when it's going to begin again and all of that but just to be right here right now so i'm in i am trying to practice that and Finding some success in doing Mm -hmm. so, um, I find that there's always, even when you have uh, an opportunity to just be at home, there's always much to do uh, (laughs) if you really, you know, want to. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe you don't want to do a lot, and that's okay too, but just to be at peace is the most important thing.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard people um, talking about um, planting a garden, you know, even if you don't have a yard, you know, but if you have a porch or a windowsill and mm-hmm. how you can order seeds online and you should grow something, grow some food. Uh, I was listening to uh, to the radio uh, last night, listening to some music, and I'm like, oh, that's nice, you know. Um, and, and then I didn't even realize because no one said anything on any of the stations I was listening to, that yesterday was the uh, uh, the equinox, and it's spring now. And I'm like, oh, it's spring! Yeah. Wow, that's so yeah. wonderful.
5: <laughs> well, it's uh, 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 in terms of the the date. The date has arrived, but you know, we've had an early spring. I think it's been spring for a while. You know, I think uh, when we the rain stopped, I mm-hmm. said, oh. You know, the rain, we didn't get any rain uh, in the last month, in the previous month. Mm-hmm. We got some here uh, in this month, but with February, it didn't rain at all. And that's part of the rain. That month is supposed to be part of the rainy season. And then when the, the plants started coming up, the greenery started, because I do have a yard, and uh, when the weeds started coming up and it was time to cut the grass, I said, wow, it's so early. But, um, you know, I've been enjoying my flower garden, and now I do want to plant some food. Uh, I want to plant some greens, kale and collard greens and and green beans and things that you can really eat because I was thinking that you can be um, very uh, resourceful in eating from a garden. It can really mm-hmm. help out because, you know, I can uh, – I eat a lot of kale, and I was thinking, well, if I had a garden and I had uh, kale greens in, I would mm-hmm. save uh, all of the, the bunches that I buy, you know, each week. I would save the the funds from that. So I'm looking forward to doing that, and then you mm-hmm. can do it so that you have organic food because you can get uh, organic um, soil and you and so that you can grow things like cucumbers and the watery plants and make sure that they are um they don't have any toxins, they're not grown with toxic soil or um fertilizer, so I think it is a really and and it's so wonderful I even just doing my uh flowers my plants, I feel uh, um renewed when I go out and work with those and you know, and uh, decorate with them, and I feel uh, nourished. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, being, you know, you, we're supposed to touch the ground, too. We're supposed to have some barefoot contact with the earth because, um, and we rarely do. We wear shoes all the time. So, um I think that's it's important to go to the beach cuz people do that can feel okay about doing that at the beach. And um but I think we need to have a more contact um with the ground, with the earth actually, with the earth and with trees too. I perf- we did a performance um like uh in February for the um um uh, for for the city of Berkeley they had um an event for the the um um uh, the um you know the the, the climate change and uh, that was when um uh, Australia was on fire. And so uh, I was thinking about trees and my experience with trees and I I wrote this song about trees And in writing it, I had to do the research to find out what was happening with trees. And trees are undergoing uh, some big stress right now. And I think that um, we could give more attention to trees because trees are very nurturing and uplifting in terms of uh, the spirit and uh, and, and the natural energy that we have. So I think, you know, just all of that, paying attention to this is where we live. These are the natural furnishings of our lives, the grass, the trees, the water. And I think if we engage with that, with that understanding, that it will be very rewarding to our spirit.
0: Right, yeah. Um, Are you... um... Do you have any poetry you want to share?
5: Any poetry? No, (laughs) but, you know, what I like, um, since we talk about spring, I'm really working on Joy Spring. And so Mm. it's a song, but instead of singing it, I'm just going to say the words, uh, uh, the way they appear in the the song, as poetry, because it is. And... um, The song goes Isn't spring Your favorite season Watching the flowers Blooming Up out of the ground Watching the snow Melt down You may Dig winter boy But spring is my joy Got me feeling so glad The days are breezy you got the time to say hello And give a smile Feeling real good is in style You may dig winter, boy But spring is my joy <laughs> it's something special, haven't you observed? It's not absurd to say that spring helps you survive. The winter's long, miserable, snow and rain. You've got to believe the day is coming. The world is humming thinking about how good it will be. And that goes double for me. You mm. may dig winter, boy, but spring is my joy. And uh that was uh that the music was written by Clifford Brown and mm. um I'm trying to the, the lyrics um were written by um I can't think of his name right now but I will shortly. Uh, but it is it is a favorite song I'd like to sing in the um when spring comes. Um, John Hendricks wrote the the lyrics.
2: Mm, uh, are you familiar nice. with
5: uh John Hendricks. Uh, he wrote um uh, the latests to four as well okay. so um yeah, I like that because it um uh, it just it's like a a, a ritual uh, you know that comes with spring to think of those words, so that's my poetry right now I'm working on that
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
0: okay yeah, um one of my uh uh from West Oakland to West Africa, um uh poet friends called in a week early. Uh Adeshima. Hey Ade, how are you?
6: Doing pretty well. How you doing?
0: Good, good. You know Bisola from the Ma'afa commemoration and her her wonderful poetry and music yes, and yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I thought, oh, so I thought Hello, honey, yes you
2: know, we,
0: yeah, so I wanted to know, um, Ade, if you wanted, because you're an expert in relaxation and, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, uh, meditation and mindfulness as well. And so I thought, oh, maybe you know, you could join us and and add some to, um, you know, giving people some tools. And also, you can share some poetry if you like.
6: Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. You know, um, thank you, thank you for the opportunity and. Definitely, hey there, Vasula, and all of your listeners. Uh, you know this this time. Uh, this my my fiance would would uh, be rolling her eyes because I've just been saying these are unprecedented times, bring about unprecedented actions, thoughts, behaviors, and just ways to be. And so, uh, so just recognizing that, <clears throat> we also can recognize uh, with the whole international health crisis. Uh, it is inviting us to look at our common humanity in a way that we probably have never done. And so in doing that, that actually can help bring a sense of stress reduction, just saying, like, we all are going through something in relation to how we're handling all that's going on. And so, uh, so it may have us, you know, bite a little closer, bind a little bit tighter, and uh, and again, all of that can help to stress reduction, just on a on kind of a social sense of things. And so, with that, um, again, it, it has us look at um, look at our, our health behaviors. Obviously, this is very much focused on our health, how uh, our immune systems are doing. Uh, again, just literally how we're taking care of ourselves. And uh, and so, with the food that we eat. Everything that we consume and just the places where we are. So, uh, but on a on a more specific stress reduction standpoint, uh, this um, this health uh, crisis also has us look purely at our breath and knowing that uh, anyone who's been introduced to any mindfulness practice of breath is always the most uh, most uh, primary means to get into a mindful space uh, and a meditative space, a meditation space. And, and also knowing that with so many, um, with things really just feeling out of, <laughs> out of whack or, you know, in, in misalignment, uh, as we bring our intention back to our breathing, our breathing can bring us back to balance. Because as long as we are breathing, we are in a space of balance because the inhale Has to be matched with an exhale, and exhale has to be matched with an inhale. So just that fact alone is balance, and so that's Mm -hmm. that's, I think a uh, subliminal uh, uh, um, a subliminal um, truth that helps uh, to bring bring people back into a place of balance when focusing on their breath. So, and then also just the um, physiological uh, benefits of Doing a mindful practice again, just paying attention to breathing, that can uh, bring your breath rate down, it can bring your heart rate down, it can bring blood pressure down, bring levels of cortisol, our stress hormone, down. Uh, so just from paying attention to our breath, so there's there's not there's nothing that has to be bought has to be bought. Folks don't have to run to. Uh, grocery stores to find this means of meditation, it's all within. It's, uh, it doesn't have to be a competition for it; it's just simply time uh, allotted for it. So, uh, so with that as <laughs> as a bit of a contextual introduction, uh, I I would like to invite us um, those of us you you and the, the three of us on the call, if there's three uh, uh, in live sense and everyone listening, I would invite us to, to do a, a mindful exercise. Uh, I'd love to lead us in uh, four simple breathing exercises, if, if that's okay. Would that be all right?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. Mm-hmm.
6: Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so the first uh, breathing exercise I simply call grounding breath, purely a grounding breath, and um, and then um, and then after that, we're going to do a, an intentional breath, uh, intentional breathing, and then we're going to do heart-based breathing, or actually belly brace breathing, and then heart brace breathing. So I'm going to lead us through all of those, just giving everybody a heads up that we're going to go through those four. And so, so I invite us, for wherever, uh, wherever we all are, everyone who's just hearing my voice, I invite us to just allow our hands to rest on our knees or our thighs. And checking in with how you're doing in this very moment in exploring if you're feeling in a restorative space or a receptive space or receiving space. And so if you're feeling restorative uh, or desiring a restorative energy, then your palms can be down, kind of just keeping your energy within yourself. And that's absolutely fine if that's how you're feeling But also the invitation is if you are feeling receptive or in a receiving space, then your palms can be up. Or if you're feeling both, you can have one palm up and the other palm down and just kind of see how that feels. See where you are. So that's the first check-in in in this mindful exercise. And, And as we're doing that, we just begin to bring our attention inward into our breath, as if we're watching our breath from the inside out, noting our inhale, and noting our exhale. Noting the inhale. And those air. Just continuing your attention on your breath. Recognizing that our, our breath can be our closest confidant, can be our closest companion, as it has been with us. Our very day one on this earth. Knowing that our breath has gone through every experience, whether calamity, whether joy, excitement, whatever the experience is, our breath has been right there with us. And so we're taking this time to honor our breath, honor our connection. On friendship, our marriage, with our breath. And at the same time, this helps to ground us. And so recognizing and receiving that grounding, we also invite that grounding energy from the earth to come through us. As we breathe. Inviting that energy to come up through the earth, through the soles of our feet, through our toes, up through our ankles and our shins and our calf muscles and arising up at our knees. And feeling that energy moving from our knees Back through our thighs, our thigh bones, our thigh muscles. We feel the energy flowing to our tailbone, our pelvis, and our hips. Allowing all the energy to ground in our seat for us to feel supported in the chair. And to feel the energy, the grounding earth energy moving through us. And so we get to feel the energy rising up through our spine, through each of our vertebrae. And as the energy continues to rise up, it also extends around us, moving through our ribs, embracing all of our internal organs with the grounding energy. Continuing that balance of the breath. as the energy continues to rise, it moves now out to the base of our neck, arriving at our shoulders. And once that energy is there, it starts to cascade down our arms through our biceps, our triceps, our our elbows, our forearms, our wrists, our palms, and our fingertips. Feeling that energy moving, coursing, clearing, even through our fingertips. We get to feel that energy continuing to rise now through our head, through our eyes, through our ears, through our nose, throat, through our face muscles, eyebrows, forehead, and up and out through the crown of our head. And so we want to just allow that grounding energy to flow through us and to carry with it and carry out of us what no longer needs to be within us. Sometimes that may be toxins. But also those toxins can be toxins of our mind, the fear, the anxiety, the distress. And all the ways it shows up. If we want to use our breath to clear some of that, or at least reduce some of that, our breath is our best tool, a tool that's always with us, no matter where we are. And so, continuing to use our breath as a tool and to use our breath intentionally, we can breathe out any of that negativity that may be in or around us. Even extending our exhales out just a little bit longer to feel ourselves breathing and releasing out any toxic stress that is has happened. Just noting in your body any shifts or changes that come with Extending that exhale out, breathing out that negativity or toxic stress. You may notice things of your shoulders just softening down and away from your earlobes a little bit more. You may begin to notice yourself sinking and settling into your seat, your chair, just a little bit more comfortably. You may even just notice the gravity uh, under your feet, just hearing the connection to the earth. So as we gently shift our mind attention on our breath, now to our inhale, shifting from our exhale, focus to our inhale. And at this time, we have the opportunity to breathe in and bring in all the feelings that we desire. We can breathe in calm. We can breathe in stress reduction. We can breathe in awareness, togetherness, camaraderie, family, connection. Whatever you are needing, you can breathe it in, literally breathe it into your mind, Breathe it into your body, breathe it into every space and between, all through the vehicle of your breath. An opportunity to see how important our breath is, beneficial our breath is. With our intentional breathing intentionally breathe in and we can intentionally breathe out what we want and reminding us we are in control how we use something. Now allowing us to connect with our breath a little more physically, a little more tangibly, I invite, invite us all to bring our palms just to stack on top of our belly, our belly button, our abdomen, our stomach. And as we do that, begin to just notice how our belly moves as we breathe. In and out. Out and in. Noting how as we breathe, our body moves, our body accommodates our breath. And so what we've shifted to now is, is a belly-based breathing. And what's important here is that we're also noticing how our diaphragm, which is a muscle that separates our abdominal organs and our pelvic organs, it moves up and down as we breathe, as our lungs expand and contract. And when we focus on that area, that ensures that the oxygen we breathe in goes all the way down into all the parts and lobes of our lungs, all with the aid of our diaphragm. Make your diaphragmatic breathing. Excuse me, it a diaphragm breathing. Deep belly breath. Many of, the, many of the yogis out there, many of the Indian yogis do deep breathing, using their diaphragm, maximize the breath, maximize the oxygen. So we're just getting that little taste of this type of breath, wherever we are, in this country, in country, where you are. belly breathing. Gently, gently shifting from our belly breathing. We're just going to slide our hands up on top and over our heart center, our sternum, right in the middle of our chest. And now we're shifting to a more heart-based breathing. Now we get to feel our chest rise and fall. We get to breathe from our heart. Breathe from our heart space. So the invitation here is to simply be reminded all that we hold within our heart. The invitation is to look at the love in our heart, the compassion, the camaraderie. And we can breathe from that space and we can breathe into that space. Feel the sensations, doing just that. And the gift not only is for us to feel the sensation of breathing into those aspects of our heart, but also those around us get to feel the benefit of us breathing from, it. breathing literally from a heart. As we know, breath is essential to our life. And if we are breathing from that heart space, then we are being from our heart space. It's always the invitation to expand our awareness of our heart space, expand our
3: beingness
6: from our heart space. Feeling so. I hope that each of us is getting no taste of that feeling. And so as we embrace ourselves, embrace our heart in this inner space, the invitation also is to connect with our inner light. There is a lot of dark energy, dark words, dark terminology, just as we handle the international health crisis. That the invitation is to connect with our inner And knowing that as we are embracing our heart space, we may begin to feel some warmth there. Recognizing that that warmth is our inner light shining. And so just allowing ourselves to just just focus on that, our inner light. feel into that space and to give yourself permission to literally let your light shine. So knowing that the light in me forever reflects the light in you. You know that the light in each of us honors and reflects the light in all of us. And that I invite us to take a deep breath in and release it out. Do two more breaths of solidarity. Inhaling in. It out one more time together. Inhaling it and release. For that, I say, Hush it. Hush it.
0: <laughs> Ah, mm-hmm. thank you, Ade. This was so wonderful. You're you're so good at this. <laughs> thank,
5: mm-hmm. you. thank you.
2: Wonderful. So yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, perfect timing too. Um my next guest is in the studio. Um wonderful. Yeah, uh, Major Joe Womack who's gonna be talking about Africa Town, Alabama. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um do you wanna give um give your website uh a day? Um mm-hmm. and what's your mm-hmm. last name? Your new last name. I I don't uh, have
6: it yes, in my mind. Yes, uh, <laughs> no worries. Uh, my uh my ancestral name is Adishima. And uh, but last name is Pen P E N N. Uh, oh, are oh, you still using mm-hmm.
0: Pen? Oh, okay. Mhm.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you're still All using, right. using yeah. that last
6: name, indeed. Indeed, and uh, and website as as you said, I um, have one. Uh, it is selfcarereform.net. Dot uh, net, and again, just some. Uh, health tools there and, uh, and then just, uh, one other website, newer one, uh, is, um, it just, that uh, uh, it's our life, So r-evolution.life. It's another one. And, uh, and then lastly, um, this is a, a, a website, um, that just, uh, allows folks to, to connect to their, their wellness and it is, uh, findingyourwell.com. got resources out there for for everyone to uh, to connect to the wellness that they need. So appreciate the opportunity uh-huh. to uh, to share and to be in mm-hmm. uh, all of your space and all of your missions. Grateful.
0: Sure. Yeah, and I just want to let folks know that um, uh, Ade Shima. Um, uh, Dr. Penn, uh, he's also an oncologist. Um, he is going to be joining us with other members of the from West Oakland to West Africa ensemble team uh, on both sides of of the, the planet. Um, we're going to have some folks calling in from West Africa, and we're going to be we're going to be calling in from the Bay Area, and we're going to be sharing poetry and stories of our our journeys and yeah uh to to West Africa last year and uh, and and also the idea of corresponding um you know sending poetry across the waters the Atlantic Ocean um Back and forth over a year It was really fun and we have a book now So we're going to have a poetry reading next Friday So you want to tune in from 9 to 10 This is like a preview um, And Ade is wearing His other hat <laughs>
6: <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> yeah.
7: Absolutely
6: Indeed well, Thank you and, yeah. and just a quick correction um, uh, Not an oncologist uh, And a medical no? doctor okay. General uh, General medicine just was trained In, in general medicine so like, like, like Okay. okay.
0: No yeah, I thought you worked with people that were um were suffering from life threatening illnesses, teaching them how to get in touch with themselves so that they could do um, self healing. And mm-hmm. so, anyway, that's where I got the the idea yeah. from. No, but
6: indeed, I definitely do that. Just, uh, just not on college, that's all. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah cool, cool. Yes.
0: um, so bisola, thank you again so much and um we'd love to have you both on again um mm-hmm. because um, I think we're in this for the long haul and it'd be great mm-hmm. to revisit um you know um you know some of the tools that you all shared this morning as well as you know maybe offering some others you know as um you know this this uh shelter in place. Shifts mm-hmm. into whatever it might shift into or stays as it is we we don't know presently, mm-hmm. Very true.
5: Thank you for having me, Wanda.
0: Oh, you're quite welcome,, yeah. yeah, well you all have a good rest of the day, uh rest of the morning, happy spring, and look forward yeah. to talking to you next week our day. Here some poetry,
6: definitely. definitely looking forward to it. definitely stay healthy and stay hopeful. Mm-hmm.
3: Connected. Cool.
0: Take cool. Care. Peace and blessings both Bye-bye. of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, uh, Major Joe Womack. How are you?
7: I'm good, I'm good. And yourself?
0: Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, yeah, I'm so happy that you're able to join us to talk about Africa Town and the uh uh the wade uh in the water uh two thousand twenty healing reconciling and revitalizing africa town um conference um february 9th, um you know this year uh, uh-huh. it looked like it was uh-huh. simply fabulous yeah, and I don't know if our audience knows you know africa town um its history um you know um the, you know the last uh you know one of the residents uh the founding residents and you know that book that came out a couple of years ago uh cujo's um story told as told to uh zora neale hurston that it's amazing how how a book could just you know just sit right and then finally get published i'm so happy that it it was released and um really really enjoyed it and also enjoyed you know meeting you um a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. um uh we were able to you know um Theodore uh Lush brought us up there from Montgomery to to mm-hmm. to meet you and and to see the town and uh hear some of those great stories when we were um there for the opening of the um uh the National Memorial for Peace and Justice and the Legacy Museum from Slavery to Mass Incarceration um looking at racial terror Killings, um, you know, uh, Brian Stevenson's organize, organization, the uh, Equal Justice Institute. So, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um Africa Town and and maybe before that maybe I should read your bio, the one you sent me which is uh um tells us a bit um about you. Let me get to my notes. Let's see. Oh, here we go.
2: Um,
0: Major Joe Womack was born in 1950 in historic Africatown, so Alabama, the place where the last shipment of slaves landed in the United States. Um, he graduated from the historic Mobile County Training School in 1968, the first public high school for blacks in the state of Alabama. Wow. Um, he graduated from St. Paul's College in Lawrenceville, Virginia, with a degree in business administration in 1972. And you entered the United States Marine Corps in 1973 and served two years active service and 18 years reserve service before retiring in 1993 with the rank of major. After receiving a commission in the Marine Corps, uh, you attended the Basic School for Marine Corps Officers, uh, Amphibious Warfare School, Command and Staff College, and the Naval Warfare College. You were Action Officer at Camp Courtney in Okinawa, Japan, where you were Action Officer for Operation Uchi Focus Lens in Korea. While on reserve duty, you served as Platoon Leader and Executive Officer for Fourth Force Recon in Mobile, Operations Officer for the Reserves located in Pensacola, Florida, and finance finance officer for the 4th Air Wing located in New Orleans, Louisiana. So were you ca- career military?
7: I, I was career military, but primarily reserve. I retired as a okay. reserve officer, not, not active. Okay, okay.
0: okay. Um, so when you returned to Mobile, Alabama in 1975, you worked in finance for Shell DuPont for 16 years. You were the first black professional to be promoted at that chemical facility. You also worked six years as a financial consultant and 12 years in the trucking business before retiring. You're a co-founder and first president of the African American Summit of Mobile County. Co-founder of the Mobile County Training School Alumni Association, co-founder and first president of the Black Military Workers of America Incorporated, co-founder of the Africatown Heritage and Preservation Foundation, and co-founder and current vice president of the Mobile Environmental Justice Action Coalition of Mobile County. (laughs) As president of the Black Military Workers of America Veterans Organization, you lead the successful effort you led the successful effort to have the city of Mobile construct a walking trail in Figures Park and call it the Veterans Memorial Walking Trail in honor of all veterans for Mobile County. Construction of the walking trail was $80,000. As president of Black Military Workers, you also helped and advised the city of Pritchard, Alabama, to start an annual Memorial Day motorcade and celebration. That celebration has now operated successfully for four years, and now you currently operate a nonprofit organization called CHESS, or Clean, Healthy, Educated, Safe, and Sustainable Community Incorporated. So with all that, welcome to the show. We're so excited to hear about what's happening in Africatown, so why don't you... Give us a little background on this town that folks don't know about.
7: Well, you, you're right. We call it one of the best kept uh, secrets in this country, and and and, and that's a sort of an unfortunate statement. But um, mm-hmm. I liken it to 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 a, a group of archaeologists that were out there looking for something. All of a sudden, they found this place that was that was always already there, and it consisted of some. Dinosaurs they never have seen or heard about, and, and that, that would be Africatown. Now now people are trying to find out more about it. Uh, Africatown is, is, is the place, like you said, where the last shipment of slaves came into this, this country, and that happened in 1860, which is actually uh, about 52 years after this, this country had had made the slave trade illegal. And 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 so uh, uh, a bet was was made. Well, actually, you had some uh, wealthy business people on a riverboat one day, and one evening, uh, having fun and 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 drinking mm-hmm. everything else. And you had a group of southerners and a group of northerners. And 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 one of the uh, most wealthy uh, landowners and business people in Mobile County, uh, Timothy Mayer, made the bet that uh, he could still bring slaves into this country. Under the federal government's nose, and they'll never catch him. And so the Northerners took him up on that bet, and he bet a hundred thousand dollars, which, if you equate that to the day's worth, it's about two and a half million dollars. So it, it was a serious bet, and these, these folks had serious money. And so, so he went back and got his brothers involved and some of his friends involved, and 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 it was more than just a business wager. It, it was just. Um, more than just a friendly wager, it was a business wager because, uh, 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 even though slavery, uh, the slave trade was illegal. You could, you could, you could purchase a slave, uh, on an auction block for about 1500 to $2,000. So, so, um, uh, so he went back and, and he, he got some money together with some of his friends and, and he got the, uh, a person considered the most sea uh, uh, captain on the Gulf Coast, the Captain Foster out of Mississippi, who was also a shipbuilder. And, and they took a, a, a former cargo ship named the Clotilda, and they re-outfitted it and made it look like sort of like a pleasure sailboat. But it had a hole big enough to hold about 100 captives or so. And that, that's what they wanted to do, go over there and uh and bring back a, a boatload of slaves to uh, fulfill the, the the bet. So uh so after designing this thing and putting it together, Captain Foster got his his, his uh, crew together and they sailed over to uh to uh what is now the coast of Benin. Back then it was the uh the homie. It was called the homie because uh that was the name of the strongest tribe in that area. The tribes was constantly fighting and one tribe would beat another one and And then put them in the prison and then and sell them, and they would sell them for about a hundred dollars a piece, and so they went over there to the uh to uh the home, which is now on the coast of Benin, and they actually purchased hundred and twenty five but uh the the chief they were dealing with was somewhat of a crook, and the next day when they were loading them up, um, the chief was coming to get them back, so they had to cut and run, so they left fifteen there on the shore. So they actually ended up bringing, uh, on that ship, 110 on the ship. Now, now, now in all of their supplies, so on the, on the, on the trip back, it was sort of tough. And then one of them died and, 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 and another one, uh, saw land on the way back and thought they they were near Africa and they jumped over and, and they never saw a person or later come back up. So they ended up bringing back 108 of them. And, uh, and when they and when they got back, uh, they uh, took them up the Mobile River. The the feds was waiting on them at the mouth of the Mobile River, but they changed the plan. They took them up the Mobile River and, and in the middle of the night, and they took them off the uh, boat and took the boat, the clotilda, out in the uh, middle of the Mobile River and and burned it and sank it. So they uh, didn't really have any evidence and. And and they didn't see him bring the uh, slaves aboard, sure. And 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 but they still brought him to trial, but they were found innocent. The the Civil War was about to start, and 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 the slaves couldn't testify because they couldn't testify against their masters, and so they found them innocent, and so he won that bet. And they ended up uh, with the hundred and eight. They they divided them up to some of their friends and sold them off to others, and. Um, and but but uh the Mayor family took a uh, Tim the Mayor took about 35 of them in in his land right there on on the Mobile River and and, and that's where they settled and 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 um, and this was and this was this happened July eighth, 1860 so so the civil war you know emancipation proclamation was signed in 1863 and the civil war ended in 1865 so and then they were set free, so they they weren't slaves very long. Uh, so they knew more about being free than being slaves. Now now basically these these was a bunch of children. Uh, uh, the youngest one was five, and the oldest one was twenty four. So they had to grow up fast. And when and when they came over here on that ship, they were they were n- naked, no clothes, no nothing. And, and 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 they hid them out in the in the, in the woods for about three weeks three weeks from the federal until they eventually brought them in, into another tribe there on the, on the Mobile Bay called the Moors, M O R S and and they uh they settled in with them on the river for about six eight months and they eventually moved into the higher ground uh, called uh, the plateau and and that's where they eventually stayed after the Civil War ended. They asked mayor to take them back, but he said, no, he couldn't do that. So they said, we're going to make this ground our Africa right here in America. And so they began to actually pay him a little money to work on the uh, uh, mayor. had a plantation. He had a, a paper mill, had a shipbuilding company. So they, they got to where they were making at least a dollar a day, uh, six days a week. But they would still charge him $2 a week for the privilege to work. But they managed to save up some money, and, and they began buying some property away from the male family. And they were trying to make their own settlement right there. And they, they eventually bought enough uh, property, uh, which is now consistent about five square miles, and, uh, and they actually incorporated that. So it, it became, besides being the last shipment of slaves to come into this country, which put us on the National Register for Historical Places, uh, they 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 incorporated incorporated that area. They called it Africa Town, and 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 they set up a government government similar to what they knew. They didn't know much about American government, but they knew about a tribal government. So they so the government that they set up was similar to a tribe back in Africa. So so they were they they, they were the first. Uh, incorporated area formed by former slaves and the government resemble a tribe back in Africa. They eventually uh, uh, established their own church, built their own church in 1860, 1872. And, and 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 they started educating their kids in the in the church, and they eventually uh, 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 got to where other people began coming back to the area because they heard about what these. Former slaves were doing. They wanted to emulate them and buy their own land. So more and more people came back into the area, and more and more children came toward the school to be educated. And and so they they finally uh, uh, petitioned the Mobile County school system for for a school. So so Mobile County school system said okay, but they didn't have any place to build it. So, so, so you had a couple of three families who pooled their resources together, their land together, and gave this land to the Mobile Public School System to build a school. So you have people who didn't have much, but the little that they had, they sacrificed for the good of the community. Now the school system still owns that land today, and the school that they established is 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 was Mobile eventually was called Mobile County Training School. Training, you may have heard that word. That's simply a code word for blacks. That's where the blacks went to school. You see, because we had a Mobile County High School and we had a Mobile County Training School. In the South, after slavery, any school that had training meant that's where the blacks went. and And just about every county in the state uh, had 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 a training school you had mobile county training school you had a montgomery county training school you had washington county training school you had Atmore county training school and that happened throughout the south that's supplement that's where the blacks went and we had the first training school for blacks in the state of alabama now now that school burned down. it was certified in 1910 as official place through, through through 12 grades to educate children but it mysteriously burned down in about 1913 but uh, the elders in the community had heard about Julius Rosenwald and, and Booker T. Washington collab collaborating yeah, the, to build schools. Yeah,
0: the Rosenwald schools. Yeah, you all have one. Right, okay.
7: right. And, and so and so Rosenwald actually gave him four thousand eight hundred dollars to help rebuild the school. So so it's officially a Rosenwald school now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you wrote Booker T. and Rosenwald built. Over 5,000 schools throughout the Southeast to educate blacks and their former slave I mean black former slaves and their descendants. Mm-hmm. Of those 5,000 schools that they built, there's only one that still remains that educating black kids every day, and that's our school. It's the only really? one that still remains. That's the only one. Every day. Out of
0: 5,000?
7: Without, yeah. they built over 5,000 schools throughout the Southeast. Wow. Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, uh, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Arkansas, South, North Carolina, yeah. And so I was right. the only one that's uh educating kids through the public school system. Most of them don't exist mm-hmm. anymore, but some of them mm-hmm. uh, have become historic museums and and uh, or maybe some recreation center or something like that. But mm-hmm. but I was still a public school.
0: That's great. And
7: so and we really and we're proud of that. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and yes. so, uh, did you go to that
7: school? so that, yes, I did. I did. I'm a proud graduate of uh, Mobile County Training School. I, I I remember once somebody was somebody was writing a a grant, uh, mm-hmm. for about uh fifty thousand dollars to uh, do something at the school, and and the people told us that uh, we will give you the grant if you change the name. We told them they could have that grant. We wasn't changing the name. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> so like well like they like they say is 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 not what you call me, what I answer to. And so see, right. so that name that name that name has not hindered hindered. though you have a lot of famous sort of, especially in sports, famous people that came out of that school. You know, we got especially in sports, we have Hall of Famers like Billy Williams, which Carl Cubs he went to that school, and even. The, the famous 1960, uh, 1969 Miracle Mets had two members of their team that started in the outfield that played together in high school at that at that on their team. Cleon Jones mm-hmm. and Tom Agee, they both went to our school. So, and and so that there, there are other Hall of Famers that played on that campus in the area like Satchel Paige and and uh, Hank, Hank Aaron and Willie McCovey and and uh, uh uh Isaac Smith and, and so so uh you know we're we're proud of our school. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, I could tell you some more history but 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 uh <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, I could tell you a lot more history because, you know it's, it's been around and it's still around and the community mm-hmm. is still there. It's not what it used to be. That that's where I got involved is try to try to bring it back. It's uh un- unfortunately, well it, it, it's it's Africatown Town sits and is part of the uh, Tensaw River Delta, which is the second largest river river delta in in the United States. And most of it is protected by the National Wildlife Association, with the exception of this little part that's that's owned by black folks on the on the coast. And so, because it wasn't protected, industry has been allowed to come into the area. Now, now it, it, that's that's sort of been a double edged sword because. International paper and Scott expanded in the area in nineteen forty five and at that time our community went up to about twelve thousand residents and and so and so uh but it, it polluted it polluted uh uh we would have ash falling out the air that as as I often described it looked like snow in July coming down you know hitting, hitting, the, hitting the ground hitting the cars, but it wouldn't it wouldn't melt. And if you had a brand new car, if you didn't wash it every day, it would rust out after about three years. And mm-hmm. and as a kid growing up, nobody ever told you that this stuff may have been hazardous. And if you're out there eating a sandwich or something falling, you sort you know, you you you're not gonna throw it away. So you so you just consume it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so and, and uh, that such was the way of life back there. But what we're finding out though is that. uh, A lot of our people that was born after 1945 are are not making it to the age of 65. Is is as if you know, uh, yeah. It's what what I personally say is that uh, you know if you were born before 1945 when they made their big expansion and started using stuff like dioxane and other hazardous stuff into their Mm -hmm. uh, chemical manufacturing, your body had somewhere. Accumulated its immune system, but if you're born after 1945, um, that stuff is you know is 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 in your system before your immune system got a chance to develop, and and so the the community had has has a lawsuit in against International Paper. It's about three or four years old, and and so and so um, which which is why I have you mentioned the organization that I have helped found that most of them deal with the environment and fighting mm-hmm. fighting to. uh, Keep the community intact because one thing that was happening is um, the business people, the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, uh, like I like to tell people, when, when when you and I see a body of water and we want to move near the water so that we can hunt, fish, and swim, swim, and and enjoy the water. But when a businessman see water, he he want to build on the water so he can pollute it. You know, dump all this hazardous stuff, and so that's that's what we've been fighting uh, for uh, for for a long time since 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 the '40s. And and uh, and uh, the EPA forced the two largest industry, International Paper and Scotts Paper, to leave the area because they refused to clean up their pollution control facilities. And and they and they left in about 2000. And then when they left, they took a lot of jobs with them. So at our height, we had about 12,000 residents. Now we have about 2,000. But we, we, we still have the land, and we are constantly fighting the businessmen who are trying to rezone stuff from residential to businesses so they can bring more businesses in the area. And, and we're trying to keep things zoned, residential, cause we, we, because we – because. Especially since people are finding out about Africatown now, and the discovery of that long-lost slave ship, the Clotilda, a lot of international attention has been focused on the community. And so, mm-hmm. when you look at what happened to Montgomery after the uh, EJ initiative and and their and their uh, uh, their focus on the uh, on the lynching museum, the city of Montgomery, after twelve months, realized a profit of over one. Point billion dollars in twelve months after after EJ opened, and and so wow. we've been told that you know we 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 if we do it right we could have a similar type of effect on the city of Mobile and our community. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do several things at once, uh, trying to hold off the industry, keep them from rezoning stuff, so that we can repair some of these old houses and get people to come back in the community, and and. uh we think we can get up to at least 5 or 6000 people and if we get up to 5 or 6000 people that'll that'll make our school up to about 5 or 600 students and 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 then put more people in the church and revitalize the community and, and that's what we're trying to do we're, we're, we're trying to preserve the community stop industry from polluting and taking over and 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 at the same time revitalize the community by fixing up old houses and building on vacant lots to bring more people back into the area,
0: right? Yeah, because when you took us on the tour, you know there was this really wonderful—it's um, almost like a a uh, um, museum. Like you had all these different information, like almost like artifacts and other yeah. types of um, you know materials from the history of Africatown. And then you also mm-hmm. um, you took us to the cemetery. Which was really mm-hmm. awesome, except getting bit by the fleas. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad, <laughs> like we yeah, like, bad,
7: bad, bad party it, it was terrible. warm. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And then, and then that the story about the bell and how someone stole the bell from the church. Like yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah and you know, in that yeah. beautiful church. Yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about, um, you know, um, you know the, uh, uh, Cujo. Um, and and you know and uh his his faith and and in the in the church that was like you know real central to the community and um and and it was really interesting what i was you know when i read uh Baracoon, uh you know um a um let's see uh about about um cujo you know his story you know as told to her, mm-hmm. you know she was saying how because, you know, these Africans were coming into uh, a community where people had been enslaved for a while, so they were like, quote, American, right? They weren't African anymore. And so there was like a problem, um, you know, with the, um, I guess, the uh, the Americanized Africans, enslaved people, mm-hmm. not being really kind to, you know, to these other, you know, folks just coming in from Africa, still holding yeah. on to their language and their customs. Yeah. And like you say, they yeah. were really young, too. Um, yeah. And just sort of like that whole, that integration never happened, which is why Africatown is like, well, shoot, they won't, they're not being nice to us. They won't let us be a part of their community. So we'll just have our own town, practice our own, uh, our own you know, customs, and just say to mm-hmm. ourselves. Um I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and then how you know, how it was for you growing up, you know, in Africa Town, like, you know, sort of knowing these stories, having, you know, having the ancestors so close to you, you know, um mm-hmm. and and uh and then um I want you to also talk about you know, and find in the Clotilda. You know, which was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, right? And and I think wow. there's going to be a museum built, right? Or there's a museum being built about around. Well, yeah, that.
7: They, they, yeah, they, yeah. We've got uh, we had three and a half million dollars approved from the BP fund uh, thing mm-hmm. to build a welcome center. But but right now the, the the um one of the county commissioners, the county commissioner from from our district. She stepped up, and she's gonna actually uh, build what they're calling the Africa, Africa Town Heritage House, and, mm-hmm. uh, which is gonna be about five thousand square feet, and, and 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 the plan is to open it up before the end of this year. And and
2: uh, oh, that's uh, so Wow. Yes,
7: yes, that that soon because what what they they you know they're talking to a lot of folks from Montgomery, and what the folks from Montgomery said is that a- after the after the 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 news of the uh the lynching museum was on sixty minutes things just went wild went crazy and yeah. and so we six well i don't know when they're gonna broadcast it because of the uh the uh shutdown the, the viral shutdown uh but they were supposed to broadcast on sixty minutes uh, sometime sometime the next sixty days but i think they pushed that back now Anderson cooper was here uh uh last month in our uh celebration and he he interviewed a lot of people. He actually he act. he's a diver. He went down there to the ship. Oh
2: yeah, yeah,
7: Yeah, I'm they and they say on that particular day the tide was sort of out so he so I, I don't know what it looked like. The, the river's always muddy and sometimes you can't see more than five feet on the water. But uh I like I wanna see what. looked uh what what he was able to film there, but uh, but they're expecting that once it c- goes on sixty minutes, that things are really going to happen. And so she jumped up and she 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 got out front. She said, "Well, I'm going. I got some money. I'm going to build something. We need to have something now." And I'm glad she did that. And and so, uh, but you you were talking about Kudjo Lewis earlier, in uh, the fact that uh, you know sometimes sometimes uh, uh, kids. Kids, even though they love each other, they could be mean to each other, and and uh, I sort of liken that to the situation with with the with the slaves. They are, uh, you know, after uh, after the Civil War ended, everybody was former slaves, but but they had come out of quote out of the bush, and so the other slaves who were born into slavery and knew nothing but slavery, they they sometimes referred to them as savages. And 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 they they didn't like that, which I think could, one thing that contributed to the fact that the Africatown town story was not talked about a lot, because what 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 the what the slaves off the boat did was try to teach their kids as much they as they could and as quick as they could they could, how to speak English, and how to blend in, and 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 so after talking to some of the descendants and and some of the family members, not. There are only a few families where that 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 passed down to the descendants a lot of the stuff that they are uh, talked about, and so oh. some of the stories were lost. And mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, but but as 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 far as uh Cutjo and 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 those off the ship are concerned, most of them stayed at what we used, we call now the slave quarters right there off uh, off the Main Boulevard. And they built their church right next to their quote slave quarter. They got a lot of help from a from a church downtown uh, called Stone Street Baptist Church, which was the first Black Baptist church in the state of Alabama. They got a lot of assistance from me, and that's that's where they first went to church. They would walk down there every Sunday and walk back, and then they eventually said they wanted their own, so that so they filed the paperwork and stuff, and they built the church right there. So it was right there next to their slave quarter. And then they purchased the land for the cemetery, which is pretty much across the street. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, uh, so, 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 one thing about the community is is, is good at good. I guess good and bad was they sort of isolate themselves from the rest of the blacks in Mobile. Well, they didn't really isolate the, the area; isolated themselves because they were in the northern section of the city and a lot of the blacks was concentrated in uh, near and around downtown. And, and so, but they, they had their own incorporated area and and uh, their own school, of course, and it was the only black school uh, where a lot of, you know, county, it was the county school, so people had to come there to, to go to school and, and get a 12th grade education. Now, um, I can remember coming up and, and, and at times, uh, when I would meet somebody from outside the community, then invite them over, they said, "No, I'm not going out there." And 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 they, they would say, "No, no, it's not safe out there." So 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 the word had been passed around outside of the community that that there wasn't safe to go in the, in the community, and 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 I do know that uh, for a fact. Sometimes some some of the, some of the uh, older guys. What they said they were doing was was protecting the community. If somebody tried to date a young lady inside the community and try to come out there and date them, they would run them off. And and so 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 you had that going on, and and so uh, so so in in a way it was it was somewhat isolated. Uh, others didn't really uh, from outside the community didn't come in there that much, uh, and and so. And we didn't have to go anywhere because everything we needed was right there. we had stores we had movies drug stores and everything else was right there so we didn't have to go in, anywhere uh to get what we needed so in in a way it was isolated and and then you had uh some of the families not not passing down stuff to their to their uh descendants and and so over the years, the story almost got lost uh plus the fact that uh the mayor family and a lot of the family that participated in this quote crime, uh that that uh they own a lot of the land around Africa Town and some inside of Africa town. And so that was a, a bit of intimidation going on. Yeah, that was yeah. a bit of intimidation going on. And, and so and so you, you that, showed, that
0: we, excuse for a second. Yeah, you showed us um the mayor um property like right central in the middle of town, and and they still stirring up stuff. Like it seemed like you you know like if if it were possible to evict them, you know because they, but I think you said like they yeah
7: yeah I mean I mean if somebody would give me Harry Potter's one I would wave it and just get them out of the community and and, and that 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 would solve sort of a lot of things. Cause, because a lot of their land is, is still zoned residential because at one point they were into leasing land. They didn't have houses, and they leased the houses. But then they got out of the le- home leasing business, and they, they still own the land, and they won't cut the grass, and, and the city won't make them cut the grass. And uh, they keep trying to rezone it. But, see, we we, we, we are fighting it because we, we don't want to lose any land. Because every time if they rezone something, we've lost that land. We can't get it back, and we won't be able to be a housing owner. And if we can't be a housing owner, we 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 can't uh, realize the plan for the community to bring it back to life. And so, uh, that that's a constant struggle there.
0: Yeah, because they didn't they rezone where where they have like, um, uh, petroleum plants, right? Um, that are polluting yeah, the water. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Right. That area. Well uh, i you know you might remember I originally talking about not protected that area on the water uh mm-hmm. is zone heavy industry uh you see mm-hmm. africatown it was the slave, to give you a timeline the slaves came in eighteen sixty in eighteen seventy just ten years later they incorporated that area and mm-hmm. and, and so so uh, from eighteen seventy until nineteen sixty Africatown was its own incorporated area. But in 1960, because those industries sat there on the water and it was in Africa Town, they they weren't part of the city, so they were not paying in the city taxes. And Mm -hmm. so Africa Town was courted by the city of Mobile. uh, For one reason, we had no running water. We had no sewer. And the the, the streets were still dirt roads. So the Mm -hmm. city said, if y'all become part of us, we'll pave your roads and we'll give you water and sewer. So in 1960, the residents of Africatown voted to become part of Mobile, and and okay. so they did pay the role and and did have a uh, water and sewer, but uh, but 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 then they had to relinquish their own control of the community because uh, oh. because uh, the city was in control then. Oh, and that's
0: how those and, and businesses it, got in there. And that oh.
7: that's how those business began So the city began... Chopping things, they, they began making some zoning changes and, and allowing other businesses to move in closer to the community. And it was a long time mm-hmm. before the people realized what was going on and got smart. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's oh. the story we fight right now.
0: Oh, so that was like you, that was like the downside of the of the uh, of letting the city come in and help with the infrastructure. They just took that's over. That's
7: exactly that's. A- that's exactly right wow. because see at that time, <clears throat> see Mobile got it. Mobile just got his first mayor in 1985. Before oh. then, they had three city commissioners that were elected at large. Okay, mm-hmm. and 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 so to 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 rule over the city of Mobile, and uh and they all during the 50s and 60s and most of the 70s uh lived on the same street in the same part of the city and and so even though oh. Africa town you know yeah the so basically Africa town had no representation
2: right,
7: so it came into the city and it had no representation, nobody to fight for the community mm-hmm. and, and so and so but but uh 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 in in nineteen eighty five through the court system they they made uh mobile changes for them, a government. So, so they got a went to a seven seven council and a male form of government in 1985, and so that that's when Africatown got its its first uh, representative in 85. And then then and, and you know as things go, the first three or four they didn't really know what they were doing, and and so but but it but it, it it suffered and 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 uh, and some areas were changed from. Um, from residential to business, but but we've been able to ho- hold things off, you know, uh, for 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 quite a number of years. know uh, they they have a process in the city. If you want to change something, you have to go through a process. You got to announce it in the in the news. You got to put signs up. So we we know when somebody's going to try to change something, and we're able to rally the community and and call for a public hearing. And people go down there and, and, you know, and and pack pack the room and say, no, we don't want it. And so we've been mm-hmm. able to do that. At, at one time, they tried to put a waste, after they moved out international paper, they tried to put mm-hmm. a waste disposal unit over in that area. And they were going to bring in hazardous material from around the world to include nuclear waste.
0: Oh, my goodness.
7: Yeah, wow. Yeah. Include, yeah. Wow. And so And so yeah that uh, yeah, Wow, well, and i i'm glad i i you know, I was a part of it that back then, but I'm glad they tossed that off
0: yeah yeah goodness gracious wow, so the um uh the representative that um you mentioned about uh you know building this welcome center you know an africa town heritage mm-hmm. house um is this the representative that you you were talking about that now that Africa town has um you know an advocate and representative in the uh, government system, the city government of uh, yeah. Mobile.
7: Yeah, yeah. Well, she she she's with the county. You have city, you have oh. a city, uh, you have city with uh, district two, and then you have the county, and she represents the county, and and so okay. and, and typically, county have a little bit more money to spend in the city, and so so mm-hmm. she's been she's been a good advocate for uh, Africatown, and, and and I'm glad that she stepped up. And 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 said that she would build it because the the community needs. If something don't start happening right now, uh, Africa Town is going to miss the boat. And and we don't want to we don't want uh, to miss the boat because this this may be our only chance to revitalize the community. Uh, but but the, but the big thing about it is the big recipient of any of any uh, revenue or tax dollars is going to be the city. So 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 the city really should jump up and, and, and be waving the flag and building everything to get ready. Uh mm-hmm. uh but they've been very slow at it. They've been very slow.
0: hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so tell us a little bit about um the uh the wonderful um you know, Wade in the water uh two thousand twenty um event which um sort of was like Africa Town coming out to the world. Community Mm -hmm. in a big way, you know, with the cover story, um, you know, on National Geographic, you know, the 60 Minutes segment that is, you know, that's Mm -hmm. gonna be broadcast hopefully sooner than later, and and Mm then this, you know, all on the sort of the, you know, the, uh, you know, this slave ship, this last slave ship, um, Mm -hmm. is, you know, was found, you know, there had been. Mm you know, people, we have, you know, that it was found, but that wasn't it. But then it's like, this really is it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, how exciting, <laughs> you know, like to have that tangible, you know, artifact, um, you know, right there, you know, that your ancestors, you know, came over on. And it was so terrible, yeah. you know, the way, you know, we hear the story of, um, you know, of uh, Kosola or Cujo, and how, mm-hmm. you know, he was getting ready to have his, um uh uh write a passage and he had a girl that he was interested in and he was like meeting with the men to learn how what it meant to be a man and then and then these jokers, you know, just snatch him up. Just just on yeah. a wager. It's like dang, yeah. like one minute he's home and next minute
7: they're
0: they're in this new place.
7: Girl. That's right. Yes, yes it is. And um uh, one thing I want to mention here concerning the the the, the uh the, the the one eight that they brought back, and 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 what people are just beginning to realize is they brought a hundred and eight back, and and they divided them up and they went went to uh, different places, and they're just now beginning to do research on the one hundred and eight. Uh, mm. Now, like I said earlier, we know that the oldest, the youngest one was five, and the oldest one was twenty four, who was Kudjo's uh brother, Charlie Lewis. Now Cudjo himself was nineteen so so mm-hmm. up up until maybe about three or four years ago uh Cudjo mm-hmm. uh, Lewis was listed as the last slave cargo to die in this country. He died in nineteen thirty five at the age of i think ninety five and but but then about three or four years ago, the research was done, and they discovered that another one off that boat named Rhodesia. Who came mm-hmm. over here at the age of twelve? uh, She was sold uh, to a man uh, up in Selma who named okay. Smith. He owned Smith's plantation, and she was sold to mate with a, 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 a black slave who was thirty, and she was twelve. His wife had oh, died. Man. Yeah, well, and so so. And he's
3: thirty.
7: Yeah. Wow. And so so yeah, so they stayed together until he died, they had children and everything else. But her name was Rhodesia Smith and she died in nineteen thirty seven. Huh.
2: So so, okay. officially, so, she yeah, lived so longer. officially
7: she mm-hmm. she lived longer, she was younger, she was twelve. And and so right. so we we know that the the youngest one was five, so it could yeah. be that if somebody yeah, find out where that younger one was five that young one, mm-hmm. may, if, you know, she lived to nine and he lived to, he was 95. If she, If she say, lived, if that person lived to they were 95, then they may have mm-hmm. lived until 1950.
0: Right, you know,
7: right. You, you know, yeah, right. We don't know. The research is yet to be done. So mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. think the folks from uh, D.C. with the National Historic Museum, uh, you know, uh, have started some research on it. Oh, good. But,
2: but, so but, do, uh, they,
0: um, do they know the names of the 108? I mean, you know where these
7: yeah, yeah, they, they, no, I, I won't say, I won't say, but, but they, they, I've seen a list, I've seen a list, and I think I was, I was, uh, I added up about sixty. So I, I don't know if they okay. know the name of all of them. hmm But, but that, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's something that I'm sure somebody will, 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 will do the total research one day. Mm-hmm. To find out how wow. find out how long the, the last one lived. Yeah, what you know, what year that they died? Because, like I said, the youngest one that came over here was was five.
0: So, what did your mom and dad tell you?
7: Well, uh, like I said, and and my the, my granddad talked a lot. His best friend was a guy named Henry, Henry Williams. And Oh and yeah, my you granddaddy said was, was a
0: really nice story about him.
7: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and so so I, I heard a lot of stories from him and Henry over the years. And uh, and I was always fascinated by it. I guess that's why I remember a lot of stuff. And and so uh, and and so that that's where I picked it up from. Uh, Mama really didn't, didn't 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 tell us a lot. Except, except some of the some of the some of the centers that she grew up with and went to school with. But but the, but the stories, most of the stories that I learned came from uh, Mr. Henry Williams and 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 my granddad. They they were they were both friends. Sometimes they would work together on on. A, on projects because they both was uh my granddaddy was like a like a, 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 a handyman and Henry Henry did everything uh, cement concrete uh, everything and so they would work, work together on projects and I'd go out there and help him and listen to all the stories and stuff but that but other than that it, you know nothing, nothing was taught in the schools and uh, Henry was the only one that talked about it in the church and. Uh, if anything was 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 talked at, uh, about it to, with some of those other other families, uh, the only one I'm aware of was was Lorna Wood. She 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 probably talked about it more than anybody, and she's just a couple of years older than me. But but uh, but uh, a, a lot of them uh, moved away and and never came back, and and even the younger one is just beginning to want to find out more about it since since it's become a uh, an international story mhm and, and 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 with the finding of the Clotilda, it's really exploded things it it's really exploded things
0: mhm, right, Because yeah. I was reading um in in an article um about how you know people they they moved away because they couldn't find work sometimes, mm-hmm. you know when you right. mentioned um yeah, so that was was like you know they didn't. Want to move away, but they didn't have a way to support their families. A lot of times.
7: That's, that's right. Well, well, the cinema went went through a real downturn. Uh, mm. Almost, I mentioned that international paper in Scotts was forced to close up. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. and they they hired about six thousand people apiece, and plus mm-hmm. a little bit before that, we had an air force base that closed, and it it it, oh, it, wow. it, it had. Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn Air Force Base, it closed. And uh mm-hmm. it, it, it hired thousands of people. So 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 we had a bunch of people that, that 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 left almost almost within a ten year period. And it caused the decline of the community, not only the community, but the, the city, the city uh employment. A lot of people people going off to college just didn't come back here because jobs were not available. Mm-hmm.
2: Right,
0: and, yeah. and
7: it's only well, been recent, but in the last five years, the things have gotten re- really, you know, almost as good as they used to be.
0: Yeah, and I think you said because um you um and another um, uh, I I don't know if he grew up there, but he is also a member of chess and, and and um and you know the preservation uh, organization around Africatown, um, uh, I'm trying to think um. <clears throat> Oh gosh! I lost my thought, um, but anyway, um, I was wondering what um, oh, yeah, we were looking at um we were like, we went out on this pier and and you mm-hmm. were just, you you mm-hmm. were, you pointed out something in the distance. I can't remember the details
2: <laughs> um-
0: what? yeah, and i think I think you used to talk about how you all used to fish there, but I think the fish are gone um uh, and
7: okay that, that yeah that, that was After town is surrounded on three sides by water that was probably back then whole bayou uh yeah, whole Bayou yeah. is where interne- yeah where international paper sat and and oh. once international paper left, uh I went mm-hmm. back there and everything was brown, everything leaves, and everything, and that wasn't mm-hmm. any fish jumping up in the water or anything and and wow. so, but you go back there now everything is green. Everything mm-hmm. is green, and 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 fish and fish fish are up there jumping around, and birds are back. Mm-hmm. So so if if you leave nature alone, it'll come back. But at the time, international was there, and international set that for over seventy years, and and so oh. and so, so they did not do any justice to the environment, not at all. hmm
0: Yeah. And, and, and you so, also showed. But, a, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
7: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Oh, and you also showed us, like you know, where you you know you were uh, community gardens were being grown, and so that everybody could have food, fresh food, and things like that.
7: Yeah, yeah, the community garden uh, that was actually started in 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 the seventies. That area where the community garden is now, there used to be houses off in there. Uh, those mm-hmm. houses, that land was owned by the Mayher family, the family that bought over the last ship of oh. slaves, and, and they mm-hmm. and they had housing and they leased those houses. But then Alabama Power wanted to purchase that land to run a power line down to the river, and so they moved the people out of the houses and and sold the, sold the land to Alabama Power, and so and so it, it so you had those tall power poles. And then a lot of land there, and so so after after a while, the people in the community start just simply going out there uh, uh uh planting stuff, and and so eventually that, that it's about six acres, and mm-hmm. and so Alabama Power uh, uh deeded the land over to the community about four or five years ago because the community has been keeping it up. They have a Power kind of hadn't had to come out there and 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 do any type of cleaning or cut up the weeds because they the people in the community just keep it up because this is something that they use to grow food for themselves and for others grow a lot of greens and 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 beans and peas and and uh, sugar cane and watermelons and peppers uh, cabbages. And 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 a lot of stuff, okra, and and so so they they actually deeded it over to the community, and it's it six acres, and we we're told it's the largest community garden in the state of Alabama.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Nice, nice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, was wondering. Um, and I'm gonna let you go because you've been really generous with your time. Maybe we can have another <laughs> conversation a little later on. Yeah. But um, you um. You mentioned, you know, your grandfather's friend, Mister Henry C. Williams, um, African Town oh, historian. Uh, what was your What was your grandfather's name?
7: Uh, Isaiah Brown. Isaiah mm-hmm. Brown. He, uh, yeah, he 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 was a uh, he was born in Africatown Town in 1910, 1910. and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and he had to, how, how many of them? I think it was three boys and three girls. I no, one, two, four boys, four boys and three girls, and, and so they they grew up in the uh, and uh, all all of them lived right there. Two two of them eventually uh, went off to uh, Korea and fought in the Korean War, and then when they came back, they uh, moved up to Detroit. But other than that, the rest of them live right there in in Africa Town. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. So who is um your your great your grandfather who is either this a descendant of
7: which
3: yeah, he, 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 <laughs>
7: yeah well he here's what we uh, know and 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 uh uh but, but my mother don't really know a lot but but uh but we do know that uh you know I was born in nineteen fifty it's all on my mother's side. Uh, okay. and, and she was born in 1930, and 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 her father was born in 1910, and his father was born in 1880 in Africa town. Oh. and and okay. that that's as far as we can go back word of mouth. So I've got I've got to do the I've never, but it's like I got two of those ancestry things on my desk right now. I need to fill them out. I hadn't worried about filling them out, but but like I said, we can go back word of mouth to 1880 with my great 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 granddad. And so that's just twenty years after they came over. So it's possible. I know I'm related to about ninety nine percent of the people in, in in Africatown. I know that. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, so so either, either one or both of them probably came off the boat. But uh, I, I haven't done any, any actual research to to nail it down. I'm sure I'm sure wow. I get around to it one day.
0: Mhm yeah yeah yeah. good for you to write your book um that's a nice feature of you in the uh, national uh, geographic um magazine piece um you know with your kente on yeah. it looks really nice yeah,
7: yeah. that was uh um, that was that was that was really something that uh, I didn't know what to expect, but that was that was really uh really something
0: mhm, yeah, yeah, it's nice to get documented well, i would think
7: mhm, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
7: yeah, um, we, in, yeah. In the – no, go ahead. No, I, I was just saying something about that. Yeah, it was uh, – Uh, I had never been up to National Geographic before in D.C., and uh, they take up about a half block, and they have their own mm-hmm. theater that has about 500 seats in it. And when we came out of the green room, you know, it, we couldn't hear anything, but when we came out of the green room, uh, uh you know, we were to applause, you know, and and and, and you know, it, it was it was just it was it was it was real nice. It was real nice. So what 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 I'm finding out is, is that the story people want to learn more about the story. They're learning more about the story. And when they learn about the story, and, and of course, you went on the tour, and every site that I sh- I showed you has a individual story, which is what makes our tour so. So 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 great. People really like the tour because the, the, that tour can take anywhere from two to three hours, depending on how many questions you have. And and each site has a story, a separate related, uh, a related story to the to the uh, to the entire story of Africatown.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I didn't know that um, for this. Um, uh, the National Geographic piece that they brought you to DC and you spoke in front of an audience. So tell me about that a little bit. What happened?
7: Yeah. Uh, they, they, there were about six of us uh, and, 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 and we were on a forum and, and um, oh. on the forum was m- myself uh, mm-hmm. uh George, Jocelyn Davis from Africatown. She and I worked together on, on some projects, and she she's able to tie her her, her uh, bloodline directly to the boat. And uh oh. and uh, we yeah they brought us both up there along with uh, Sylviane Dolf, who wrote one of the first books about Africatown called Dreams of African America. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had the National uh, Geographic photographer. Who said that he had taken over twelve thousand pictures in Africa Town? I knew that he had taken a lot
2: because well, he's been valid. down
7: there several times. My
2: yeah, he, he's
7: taken over twelve thousand pictures. That, that's his job, though is, is just walk around and take pictures. And, and right. they had—they had a rep. Yeah, they had a representative from, uh, uh, from from the Slave Wreck Project that talked about the defining of the boat and. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we we all have a chance to speak and and then answer questions and it went went over went over very well and uh the the thing that we we talked about the ship earlier, but uh the thing that really really amazed me is when they first came down looking for the ship uh mm-hmm. those searching for the ship was really really excited and, and they knew that they were going to find it they didn't find it the first time. But they they said, "Daggon and Joe! We we gonna find that ship because because they got all sorts of <laughs> equipment they take satellite pictures from the from the air and, and and so and so even after they left the first time, they continued to take these satellite pictures even though they weren't here and 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 analyze them and and, and compare them and this and that and they came back and they, and they, and they found it. They found it, mm-hmm. and then they 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 put a documentary together that has shown on the National Geographic Channel. You may have missed it. and I think it's coming back. Oh, but but they okay. call it, they call it dra- Drain the Swamp, and uh, okay. and what they yeah what they did they uh they it they had three ships that they had found, and, and this this one ship, of course, was the Clotilda, the slave ship, and and in in the in the illustration, they actually, Fenton with Clotilda, they they illustrated and they drained the Mobile River and they showed you what the ship looks like right now sitting on the bottom of the Mobile River. And uh, and uh, yeah, and it's buried about seventy-five percent of it's buried in the silk and the sand. And and they think you know, and which has preserved it. Uh, but one thing that they they like to get to get it up. But they're afraid if they bring it, start bringing it up in pieces or something, it'll fall apart. But if you got enough uh, money, you can do anything. But <laughs> but uh, uh, the thing that amazed me is that they think that they, you know, they think that they they can get DNA samples off the ship. Oh, now,
2: that'd be so now, cool.
7: Would, would wouldn't that be something if they're able to get yes. that ship? Up and they yeah, have, and they they have a. Uh-huh. Yeah, they have a mark. They have a mark of different places in the bottom of the ship where they carry the slave, They say this is where Cut Joe Lewis actually, yeah, uh, uh, where he was doing the making a trip back to America. This is where he was. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something?
0: That was. This is really what he great. said.
7: Yeah, this mm-hmm. is what he said. But they said that they, they can get DNA samples. They said they think the sand and silt would have preserved the DNA DNA samples in the in, in the boat. hmm. That that would wow. really be
2: something.
7: Wow. Yeah that would be
0: really awesome.
7: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it would be. Oh wouldn't that be moving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you you walk you yeah. walk to a, a ship that they had pulled up out of the bottom of the of the water and uh are you able to see where they actually sat on their trip mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so the ship, um, uh, the remnants, it they're still buried, um, below the water.
7: Yeah. Yeah. About seventy-five percent okay. of it is buried. Buried. Yeah. Below the uh, mm-hmm. in in the, in the sand. Right. But uh-huh. but 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 uh, but Anderson Cooper say when he went in there, the tide was mm-hmm. out. And he was actually able to get on his knees and walk around mm-hmm. in the cargo hole. Oh. Oh. Yeah.
0: Have you been down
3: there?
7: Oh, uh, in the water? No. Yeah. No, I I've been out to the site, but no, I haven't I haven't seen it because it's buried about by, by forty feet of water.
0: You don't do scuba diving?
7: No, 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 don't don't especially not in the moor. I don't, I don't, I don't swim like I, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, at least now you know they have the underwater cameras, so you know mm-hmm. what it looks like, and and they're they're mm-hmm. bringing up, um, are they bringing up artifacts from the ship?
7: Well, they, 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 yeah, they, they. I don't know when the next time they're they're going down there. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it would. Alston Cooper had to get permission from the state to go down there, because see, the oh, the state is in care of it and they have plenty of cameras and stuff all around because they don't want people going out there. You know, you go out there and you pull up a nail, you can probably put it on eBay and sell it for $10,000. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> if you don't get caught.
0: Right, yeah. No, we don't want people to damage, you know, You know this artifact because there's so much information there that
3: we don't mm-hmm. want
0: to until the right folks are able to, like, access it. Yeah, it'd be great though if they could bring it up like they did the Henrietta. Um, uh, there was a uh a, a slave ship called the Henrietta something, and uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, found off the coast of um Florida, and mm-hmm. uh, and and they like they there was a whole lot, you know, they were able to bring mm-hmm. up like all kinds of yeah, uh, that that that, yeah,
7: that that might be one yeah that might be one of the three ships that they uh illustrated in that uh, in that documentary yeah.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. oh, well, if you find yeah. it, send me a link 'cause um I'm looking I have yeah,
7: found I will yet. yeah <laughs> we're we're yeah, we're trying to get them to send it to, us. you know they 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 may want to run it a few times before they send it out, but yeah we've we've been trying to get them to send it to us
0: right, yeah, so where where can people go to sort of stay in touch with um with your organization and keep keep posted on what's going on there in Africatown? Do you have a website? that they should check
7: out. Yeah, well we we yeah, we we've got a couple of them. We we we've got one okay. that we we uh, organization we, we just recently created and this is the one that we we hope to do a lot of work with and 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 get some funds to do a lot a lot of good things in the community. And and the, the site is up. It's called it's called Africatown Heritage Preservation Foundation. Okay and and Africa and um, and people can heritage, act
0: heritage foundation uh-huh. yeah
7: yeah african heritage preservation foundation and and um, then heritage and then the other one
0: preservation wait a second mm-hmm. preservation and is it dot com?
7: Foundation. uh dot org
0: oh dot org okay all right
7: mhm- mm-hmm. and and then that there, there's another one that I work with a lot that deals with the environment mostly and we we do a lot of community work. So a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. we have uh, relates to the community work that that we're doing, and uh, it's called Africatown Chess C H E S S, and the chess is an acronym for clean, healthy, educated, safe, and sustainable. Okay. AfricatownChess.org.
0: Okay, all right, great, great, yeah. And, um, you sent out this really wonderful um uh history and a timeline based on um I guess research and books by uh, mr henry c williams your your grandfather's friend and yeah. um and I was wondering, is that posted anywhere um on either of these two websites you just gave me
7: oh. <laughs> uh... No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, It's
0: really good. I I, I can make sure
7: that yeah, yeah. I I can make sure that uh, I, yeah, we'll see about posting it on on the one with the, 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 what we call the foundation.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's that's
7: a great idea.
0: Preservation Foundation.
7: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not not right now, but yeah, other people have, yeah, mentioned that and they said this was a great timeline. And so there's there some other things that we we could put on that timeline. But I just thought those were some of the important things. You notice it, it only goes through nineteen seventy. nineteen
0: seventy,
2: yeah, exactly.
7: Right, because <laughs> yeah, because because nineteen seventy after 90, the last fifty years, a whole nother book. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother book, and and and, and, it, and, it's, and it's not real pretty either. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it only goes. Through,
0: yeah, because in, in your in this timeline, you know, you mentioned um, you know, Mrs. uh Perot, um, the first managing editor of the Mobile Beacon, one of the Mobile's first black newspapers, and that mm-hmm. she and um Mr. Henry Williams were partially of Creole descent. And right. um and so this book touches on several things but it also talks about the beginning of the Creole natives along the golf course and how it yes, began in Mobile County. Yeah, right. yeah. And but what I really like, you know, when you in nineteen seventy you say before the I one sixty five bypass, um, yeah. the widen of the Bay Bridge Road and the loss of land through rezoning and industrial takeover, mm-hmm. the African town mm-hmm. community consists of fourteen neighborhoods and you name them. Um Hog yeah. Bayou, which we talked about, that was polluted but now mm-hmm. it's back. New quarters mm-hmm. plateau, no mm-hmm. man's land. Tin Top Alley, Magazine Point, mm-hmm. Greens Alley, mm-hmm. and in parentheses, Sleigh Quarters, Graveyard Alley, Pecan Orchard, Plum Orchard, Happy Hills, Kelly Hills, Lewis Quarters, and the Stockyard. And mm-hmm. uh, and now there's only seven neighborhoods out of four.
7: Yeah, yeah, and, then when, and when 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 you look back on it, it's sort of sad because. Uh, we we used to be able to just walk from one to the other, and, and you can't you, you can't really hardly do that now because they've got the bypass interstate that cuts through and sort of cut off one section from the other, and and then some other things they widened some roads and and uh, even even the uh, what used to be the heart of downtown Africa town, uh Bay Bridge Road, they they took the highway department widened it and took some people houses. And and we we had uh we had some houses right there on on the side of Bay Bridge Road, but then when they widened it, they took those houses. And Those houses, the back part of the backyard was part of the cemetery, and and so and so uh, we we've got to have some research done there because we 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 believe we've lost some unmarked graves through the widening of that highway. Uh Henry you know, Williams used to say that the first part of the cemetery that we had about twenty Buffalo soldiers in there, but their the graves really were not marked. I can remember as a kid by eleven or twelve when they uh started widening and, 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 and came in with the bulldozer, they dug up some bones and they stopped the digging and stuff. They said we need to examine these bones, but they came back about a week later and said these are dog bones, so they just kept on digging. What? And, what? Yeah. 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 There ain't no, they yeah. know darn well that with no dog bones. What? Yeah, even even the ten year old, I never believe that. But these these no. are some of the things that, that 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 has happened over the years, and and so so wow. it's not we we lost half the neighborhoods, and, and of course the people along with it, and uh, we we can't easily go from one one section to the to the next anymore, and uh, mm. but it's still there. It's still there. Five square miles. And
2: because
7: uh, yeah. they have, they built, they built the city. One thing the city did do in nineteen sixty, 1960, nineteen sixty-five, I think, to alleviate over overpopulation, they they built a housing project. But then they recently moved people out of there, and 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 they they're tearing down the housing project right now. And when they that was three hundred fifty units, so we lost about three hundred kids out of the school when they moved when they moved the people out the unit. And so so we had to fight to make sure that. The, that that stays zoned residential so that they won't try to sell that off to businesses. And, uh, so, so, so you know, we're still fighting for that. and I think Hopefully we're going to win that. So we, we want affordable housing in that area. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think, I think took, I took you all through that area.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was looking, you know, cause you've got a, um, you got a bio in the, um, uh, this um what's it called I'm trying to think um it's a uh, bridge the gulf and uh, oh, yeah. so it looks at you know sort of uh, environmental activism you know around around this um uh chemical corridor and I was wondering so are you are you are they going to shut down some of these these plants that are you know killing people
7: Well you know it, the it, it, these you know, it, 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 it's interesting. I, I, I was looking at something the other day, and uh, uh, a, a lot of this land in and around Mobile and Mobile County, even up and down the river where we call it a chemical corridor, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and there are a lot of chemical plants up and down there. That, that's, that's really north of us, and it sort of ends oh. right there in Hall Value. That, that land oh. uh, used to be anyway, a uh, way belong to the Mayor family, the family that bought over the land ship. They, they 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 own a lot of mobile out and uh and uh, uh uh we used to say that they owned mobile before mobile became mobile. And then so mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, if 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 they sold the land or leased the land. For years we thought international paper and scots owned the land, but they actually leased the land from the family for 70 years while they sat there and did their did their manufacturing. But uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's not closed down. Alabama Power has a has a steam plant that that's right there. That was uh that had a big holding pond for 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 coal ash, and uh, right there off the river. And uh, and I I don't know what's going to happen to it. There are rumors that they're going to close it down. We'll just have to see. But because there are also rumors that they're converting from coal to gas, which is not too much better. Right. But but uh. The chemical corridor, it sort of, it's upstream from us, and and it sort of ends in Haul Bayou, and so okay. so so you got the chemical corridor, then it, it runs down the Haul Bayou, Haul Bayou runs into the Mobile River, and and so so it's sort of up, upstream from us a little bit.
2: Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot of lot of lot of fights that intersect, don't they?
7: A lot of fights to intersect, and and uh, it, it, it's interesting. That I often get the question, you know, uh yeah, well, how how did I get involved, or why? And and I I honestly tell people, I was like a lot of people when I came back in nineteen seventy five, and and so, so from, from about nineteen seventy five until about uh, twenty ten. I was like a lot of people. I sit sit around and watch the community go down. I said, "Why don't somebody do something?" I said, and and things would happen. And I said, "They they can't do this. They can't do that. don't somebody do something?" But it wasn't until my mama told me, "Son, get out there and stop them from taking my land," and I said, "Yes, ma'am." And so basically, that's what I'm still trying to do. And and uh, uh, because at that time they were trying to rezone an area and put a trucking company out there. Mm-hmm. And saying some sometime that that's what it takes, you know, just just you know you you get a you you get an order from your mama and you got to do what your mother tell you. <laughs>
2: right,
0: right. Well, that's good. I'm glad your mom gave you your orders because you know you've been kind a of real, you know, um, stalwart in and, and, you know and and sort of bringing you know this this wonderful town you know to national attention. You know, but first you know it was like it was just a few of y'all doing it, right?
3: Here right. you That's all, right. you
0: know, making sure that nah, y'all not doing this. And, and then you right. mentioned how those bad guys, you know, the Myers folks were buying off black people, you know, yep. you know, giving them yep. this or giving them that favor or giving them this so that you
2: That's know right. they would
0: vote in favor of their being able to, you know, further uh, exploit the community.
7: That's right. The same the same old story from years ago. It's the same same old. Mm-hmm. Same old tactics. They that hadn't changed. Very simple. Right. And it's unfortunate a lot of us still fall for it.
0: hmm Right, right. Yep. Well you haven't fallen for it. I'm sure your ancestors are really pleased. And uh yeah. So I wanna um before before um we run all the way out of town, I wanna mention the uh the websites again, uh for um uh for major um uh, Womack, uh, Africatown Heritage Preservation Foundation.org, and then Africatown Chess, C H E S S.org. Both of those websites are where you can stay posted on what's going on, and you can donate to help those on the ground, you know, continue their fight, and uh, and and also projects, you know, to keep the town. Um, you know, uh, get, becoming more and more vibrant. Um, you know, so that the vision you know that you have will will be achieved. And I'm looking forward to coming back down there to see it again.
7: <laughs> looking forward to you you all coming down, and uh, hopefully they uh, if you come down after after the first after uh, this fall, and especially if we can get through this little virus thing, they can start the construction. We'll we'll have a, a nice looking uh, uh, quote museum ready for folks to take a look at.
0: That would be really awesome. That would be really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful uh, conversation. Are you all going to be doing um, something like, you know, the Wade in the Water Conference every year in February? Or, are you going to do something this coming February as well? Is it going to be like an
7: yes. annual
0: homecoming conference thing?
7: Yes, yes. It, that was part of our Descendants Celebration. Uh, okay. And, and uh, last year we had it one year. No, I'm sorry. We had one day, and we sort of expanded it this year to two days, uh, that included wow. a forum and and some other things. And so we're trying. The interest is still there, and 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 uh and so we're trying to uh uh get some more people involved, so maybe we can try to extend it to three days with some musical celebrations and a lot of other stuff. So yes, that our plan is to do that every year.
0: Okay, cool, super. Yeah, well, I'll I'll definitely um try to make sure that I'm there um, next year, 2021, because I wasn't able to make it this year.
7: All right, sounds great.
0: Okay, cool. Well, good talking to you, and uh, good luck on everything. And let me know if there's anything I could do to get the word out.
7: Yes, ma'am. Wish you sure, wish sure you will, and and thanks for having me, having me on your program.
0: Oh, you're quite welcome. You take good care.
7: Okay now. Bye bye.
0: Bye. So we are going to close with uh, <laughs> um Unity. No no no. Is it Unity? No. Hold on, which I really like. <laughs> From Sounds of Blackness. Mm-hmm.
2: Stop us now, going through, going through some way, somehow.